Hello and welcome back for another episode of Growing Like My Fellow Growers. I'm your host, Jack Greenstock, joined as always by an amazing panel. I'm going to kick it over first to Spartan Grown. Thanks, Jack. Hey, uh, <laughs> I'm just fumbling here. I am Spartan Grown. I'm happy to be here. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Spartan Grown, all one word, no spaces. And uh, if you don't have Instagram, you could always get a hold of me through email at spartangrown at gmail.com and I can help you with all your home cultivation needs or synthetic or organic i've got experience both both sides happy to have you back as always next up dr mj hey guys i am dr mj coco from cocoforcannabis.com i'm excited to be back on the show i'm not gonna be able to stick around for the whole show today because i'm here with a guest so let me introduce my guest somebody i think you guys may know um mr jordan river Hey, everybody. Jordan River from Growcast Podcast here. What's up, growing with my fellow growers? Good to see you guys. Good to have you back on the channel. Hey, again. Jordan. Hey, what's going on? Just chilling with Dr. A familiar Co- voice. <laughs> to many out there, for sure. Some rosin with Dr. Coco. That's yeah, good times. Yeah. Jordan, Jordan came over to, to get me high, so I'm kind of a little <laughs> bit... I'm a little bit flying around the room right now, but I'll try to hold things. We did smoke a lot. Yeah, that was quite a bit of cannabis, but we're we're ready to go. (laughs) That makes for the best conversations. We're just doing Q&A tonight. I was just typing uh, into the chat, which a reminder quickly to tap on over to that live chat so you can see all the questions and conversation that's going on if you're into that kind of thing. Otherwise, you can stay in the top chat and have a bunch of stuff randomly filtered out if they use swear words or whatever YouTube's algorithm decides to not let you see. So uh, yeah, make sure to click on over to that live chat and get in there join this conversation and drop questions if you have them please tag at cheap home grow that'll allow me to see them and then i can highlight them and drop them into the zoom conversation even if we don't get to it right away i will try and get to as many of them as possible tonight and the one hour mark when uh, doc and jordan head out we're gonna send the link out to the chat and have uh, some people jump onto the panel and uh, maybe show off their garden or ask questions live but with that said next up matthew gates hey everyone this is matthew gates I'm an integrated pest management specialist, and I'm curious to see more things. I actually was just with Jordan yesterday um, at uh, an event. So very cool, very cool turnout, um, very cool subjects matter. Maybe we'll even talk something about that today. But uh, yeah. Cool stuff. Well, last and certainly not least, or no, we've got two left. Uh, I almost missed one. Kyle Breeder, welcome back. Hey, everybody. Glad to be here. Um, for all the listeners, I just want to give, and the group, uh, I want to give a sincere apology for maybe missing a few days uh, more than I usually do, or if any, but uh, I've just been super consumed with uh, moving across state on the west side and uh, a new job and trying to get this house somewhat renovated, but uh, moving forward. Uh, if you're looking for feminized seeds, I do have a website. It's uh, purebreeding.com. I have some new stuff on there too. We uh, have released a New England rock candy version too, which is getting people are really loving that. Um, if you can't, if you don't have Instagram, you can find me at purebreeding, the letter M, letter A at gmail.com and uh, pure underscore breeding on Instagram. And glad to be here, guys. Happy to have you back. Last and certainly not least, the American one. Hello panel and everyone in chat i'm the american one always good to be here um and yeah i can't wait to uh get going tonight um and yeah peace to everybody happy to have you back and um 
I'm not going to put out specifically what happened. Obviously, I'm not one to share other people's personal information, but Noah the Groa can't be with us tonight. He had some stuff going on. And if you can, just if you believe in that kind of thing, send good vibes his way. You don't have to like send a message or anything. I don't want to interrupt him or you know make him more busy than he needs to be. But uh, yeah, he can't be with us tonight for very good reasons. And we love that guy. He's an amazing person. And uh, we just wish the best for him. And uh, everything's going to be okay. But we just, uh, things are on the up and up. And yeah, I just wanted to uh, put it out. Good vibes for Noah DeGroa because he can't be with us this week. Uh, Brandon Rust as well is traveling, so he won't be joining us. And with that said, I'm looking forward to this week's show with uh, Jordan River from Growcast. It's like a crossover episode now. And we'll have to include that in the title, obviously. It makes it a more special show and we'll get lots more people tuning in, hopefully from the uh, Growcast audience over there. So uh, happy to have you. And I guess first off, I will ask, what are you guys smoking on tonight over there? I heard some rosin. I didn't hear what strain though. Yeah, man, I brought some, um, well, allegedly, so, some of this uh, Chrome 6 rosin found its way out west. Uh, Chrome 6, shout out to Chrome 6. They're like a uh, vertically integrated, single source, high quality solvent list company out in Oklahoma, woman owned. Um, they're really, really great people. And they made uh, a couple of amazing strains, but I have the six cakes here. And it's just really cakey and gassy. I do like Fowler stuff, but like when, when I'm on the road, I like to just bring something real palatable. Um, you know, the cakes are, are very popular right now. I know sometimes like people have their opinions about them, but I do like the cakes and the gases. So this is six cakes. I think it's an ice cream cake um, derivative and it's just absolutely delicious. Even the little bit that I yeah, have left. It was really tasty. I really enjoyed the flavor of that. We used just a email and uh yeah it was good i, I like some of the like <laughs> off-putting foul stuff too but this is this stuff is really palatable it's very pleasant yeah and I'm, it's I'm very pleasant it's kind of like a, a sweet happy smell it smells like happiness it and, smells like happiness and I, I had some of the jelly sickle but i ran out of that and that was the jelly sickle was just great it was i could only describe it as stupefying it was very very inebriating and just just made you dumb which i love and, uh, do they give a terpene test at all or just cannabinoids the back of this thing is pretty faded um i don't, <laughs> I don't have a terpene breakdown for you unfortunately but no. i can tell you that it no smells delicious it smells delicious <laughs> and then we were smoking a few joints and we were smoking some of my dark ghost train haze and yeah just generally getting really really big I, you did like the peach dosi that meant a lot to me uh that peach yeah. dosi is a strand uh that i'm really fond of shout out to old bay he's a member of our community who bred it and it was the uh, peach pie male pollen bloom seed co provided by rise rich and that was hit to the dosi archive cut yeah um and i, I just want to shout out old bay just an awesome old school guy he's a veteran he's a grower and he made that cross so thank you for sharing that with me dr Kroger. chose uh some very good breeders to work with as far as parent genetics bloom probably one of the hash best hash producing uh breeders i would say out there and then uh archive just has some fantastic work noah who isn't with us has grown a lot of their work uh being up there in that area so definitely shout out to both those breeders and uh to them that sounds like some fire stuff i'll yeah. pass it next to spartan grown and ask what you're smoking on because we got a couple questions piled up but after uh we chit chat a little bit then we'll jump into the questions my buddy uh, Baked Pwn, shout out to Baked Pwn. I was just over his house yesterday helping him build out um, build out a nice build. And uh, I've got some right here, some more of it. But uh, it's Donnie Burger. You know, I've, we've talked about Donnie Burger before. Oh, man. And, yeah, My so mouth started watering. That's why I'm already starting to get a little droopy-eyed. Donnie Burger hits pretty hard. And so 
I'm going to be smoking that probably most of the show. I love it, man. You're going to hopefully uh, get some of that good pain relief that it tends to provide for myself. Uh, it's very relaxing. Uh, good. Puts me in a good mood typically because I'm, I'm like feeling <laughs> no pain and uh, just happy and laid back. Yeah, I'm wound down for the day. I've gotten most everything done. The last thing I'll have to do is water my flower room uh, after the pro show. But uh, I got everything done today beforehand, which is nice. So I can sit here and get as stupid as I want. And uh, all I have to do is water the flower room when I get when I get all done. So we're going to hit it hard today. With sips at the end of the day, really, you're just kind of like looking down the hole, topping them off. And then you get to kind of enjoy watching those beautiful plants uh, blow in the wind. Bro, I'm you know what, I'm going to get off my butt one of these days and just do a grow series either on Instagram or maybe start up a YouTube. Because the more people that I can, when I can actually convince someone to try sip containers, once they try, I have yet to see one person come back and tell me that, no, that was terrible. It makes it so easy. That's usually what I hear back. Oh my God, this makes it so easy. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's why I'm doing it, man. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to maybe, I'm kicking that idea around in my head. I might do a grow series on on growing in sips just so people can see how easy it is and how it can really uh, make the hobby more fun, in my opinion. Definitely. I mean, even my plumeria, which I've never grown before, my neighbor went from, are you sure you're not going to add fertilizer to that thing to what kind of soil are you growing that in? Because it's growing so much faster than theirs. So like, what the hell is going on? Like this person, like you must be doing something right because it's uh, rapidly growing and uh, been really simple and pretty hands off. So I've been happy with it. I mean, I haven't looked like into the science of it, but I really think that that feed tube, or they call the feed tube, which I don't even use to water through. Um, I just top water like a regular plant. But um, that feed tube is oxygen exchange. It's getting oxygen to the root zone, which normally isn't something that happens. So I think that uh, kind of spurs a little bit of uh, increased growth that you wouldn't normally see. So that's probably what it is. It's not so much a fertilizer. It's the fucking oxygen ex- in the air exchange. Yeah, and I just think it it's almost like whenever you go and see plants growing next to a river, when they have access to water with their roots basically all the time, like fresh, you know, like you said, oxygenated water that's not tepid and uh, has probably some nutrients in there because it went through <laughs> like you top water through your soil. So there's yeah. probably a lot of good stuff still in there for them to leach back up. And uh, it definitely works really well. But um, with that said, I'll kick it over to Kyle because uh, he's usually pretty quiet. Ask him what he's smoking on and then we'll jump into a few questions we got from Sour Diesel Tangi and Josh Colbert coming up here. You say tower, Kyle. Kyle. Oh, sorry. Uh, to be honest, I, I'm on this new uh, this new gummy thing uh, and I just kind of consume uh, two-to-ones and one-to-ones and that's like that's just like been my thing for the last few months. Uh, I can basically take it in the morning during work and uh, you know, I just feel completely coasting throughout the day. Uh, it just sucks. I mean, the, the, the companies that I use down here that I'm getting them from, they don't really describe what they're using for uh, as the variety. But uh, so I'm not too sure, you know, where I could. I mean, I should probably start making my own. That way I can kind of cater to what I'm looking for and getting different type of uh, profiles and uh, different kind of effects, especially with some of the older stuff that I'm growing now, like the Panama 72 and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I'm just on that edible stuff, man. I kind of just rock that. Sounds good. And uh, not to cut Tao and Matthew out of the smoking conversation, but I do want to get into some of these questions because we ask people to start dropping them and they do start to pile up. So I want to get to them. And uh, first off, we'll start with Sour Diesel Tangi, who asked, what does the panel suggest for plants that are getting too tall on day 21 of flower? Stretch seems to be done. Got about a foot to go. 
So uh, maybe they could follow up. I'm confused if the stretch is done, but they've gotten too close to light. Is that what he's saying? I guess maybe their light is too powerful to be run within one foot. Sour does a tangent follow up with this in that chat for us, if you can, to give us a little more information because I didn't read that all the way through. Sour does a man. We haven't heard from him in a while. He's an old school follower. He can still do some, like, bending plants away from the light. I I wouldn't scrop them or super crop them at that point. But you can still probably be be gentle and just kind of like bend them out of the way. It, it's you know, even if they're off to the edge, they could probably be within a foot, but right underneath the middle of the light, your foot's probably going to be too close. Depends also on what kind of light it is. To a certain extent, with some of the, the LED bar fixtures, it almost doesn't matter because as you get really close to one bar, you, you no longer can get light from any of the other bars. So um it almost compensates itself that way but kind of depends on the light and if you're expecting the plants to keep growing past this yeah it's like that's right at the cutoff part for me to do any super cropping i don't like it's kind of late like i want to make sure the plants you you said in that comment like that you think it stopped growing well if that's the case that's when the plant stops vegetative it's not vegetative i guess when it stops bolting I'm going to, I'm going to take that bolt in. That is a form of vegetative yeah. growth. Yeah. But um, when it starts. I love your bolting, insulting, man. Love yeah. It. Yeah. I'm going to keep using that. When it's, uh, <laughs> when it bolts like that, when it's done bolting, that like growth, that, that, that growth kind of stops and all it's going to do is start building buds. So it's not going to be able to heal that. It's going to, but it's not going to be able to heal it well. And it's going to probably be a detriment to. to, to oh, it probably won't like turn that. back around. You yeah, know, when we super crop and we lay lay the branches flat down and like the next day that it's bent itself around so it's pointing straight up again after that bolt is over after the plant has stopped growing basically it won't turn around anymore and you know you could put a second super crop in but it also won't repair the injury as fast of the super crop the, the development of the knuckle is really driven by the same vegetative growth processes that they grow the plant overall and once it's fully entered the reproductive stage, it's not going to be able to bounce back from those kinds of injuries. It's not going to be able to repair itself as well. And like right. Spartan's saying, it's not going to be able to, to kind of turn around as much. So you do have to be careful if you get all the way to the end of the bolt. Now, you can still be super cropping as long as it's still growing. You can, you know, bend that down as long as you're, you're confident the plant's still going to turn around and point back up towards light the next day. He um, seems 50-50 because he says it's stretch seems to be done got about a foot to go and if you are hoping on day 21 in my experience especially i think he is a cocoa grower uh yeah. sometimes it does push a little past that day 21 i've had well, your gmo it'll go another week man it'll go fucking yeah, stuff i've had i was gonna say do you know for sure like if you're familiar with it have an expectation he, has he run a clone or something yeah right? Or has he been taking measurements and really know what the plant's doing? Because like, if your plant's been growing two inches a day, two inches a day, two inches a day, then one inch, then a centimeter, then half a centimeter, then nothing. And you're really aware of that, then you can be confident that the growth has stopped. But most growers aren't as they're kind of doing it impressionistically, Um, you know, just like how the plants seem to them. So it's hard to know exactly when your plants up growing and if you're getting towards the end i'd say try and try to avoid risking it because 
you know, the plant won't do well when it's super crop like that after it stopped growing. I honestly, unless somebody else has an idea, but I honestly think you have two options. You have the, like what Dr. Coco said, and that's probably the option I would take first is just try to do a little, some low stress. I love plant yo-yos for this kind of thing because you can just move it just barely to one side and not a whole lot. You can like exactly move it to this exact spot you want. So I love the yo-yos for that. But if that's not an option, like the plant has stopped growing up and if you pull it out of the way, it's going to, I don't know. If that's not an option, I would look at dimming the light um, a little bit. Or you have to make this decision. You have to make Sacrifice, this decision. Yeah. Keep it at 100%. This is, what, this, is what, this is what Spartan would do. I'm not advising this to everyone, but this is what Spartan would do. Spartan would keep it at 100% until he started seeing light bleaching on the top buds because I'll sacrifice two, three, four top buds if that means the rest of my the rest of my canopy is getting good light and good light penetration and everything else. I'll sacrifice a few at the top, but if it's looking like I'm getting more than three or four buds bleaching, then I got to turn it down. Yeah. If, if, so one thing I've done, you guys yeah. know about this in the past I when, I, when I had that, when I had that tie, uh, you know, I don't know if his tent is full or if he's got like one tent and a four by four, but you could always put it on uh, at a 45 and just support the weight. Uh, I know it's probably the last option, but if that's something he hasn't uh, an option to do, uh, I've done that in the past. So you're like talking like if the pot, you're talking about turning it 45 degrees or 90, 45 degrees, 90 degrees. You, 45 would be at an angle. 90 would be on its side, but I've even, well, I had to put mine on the side because it was so tall, but you could do a 45 or whatever <laughs> angle, whatever yeah, angle. Works. Like, I remember that you drilled a hole in the side of the pot and you were watering yeah. it from the top yeah. and it was like yeah. a eight or but 10 again, foot long stalk. You wouldn't want to do this after vegetative growth is stopped. I mean, the plant's not going to turn around. It's just going to lay on the, well, a tie tie weed plant might, but he, I think he's got his plants in scrogs anyway. I don't think he could do what? right. So it's easy, yeah. Angie. Yeah, be scrogging. That's a no go. Yeah, then he's only limited. But and I would he's go. He's in like the bucket system leave it too. Leave it on hundred. See how it goes. If only two or three buds are getting totally fucked, like some people would say, sacrifice those ones that are hitting the light because that next level is going to be stupid primo because it's getting the most light yeah. it can handle and it'll be like the best but and i'll tell you what those those bleach yeah. buds smoke smooth as fuck because i've smoked them because this bleach is all the chlorophyll out. yeah but it also kind of bleaches all the cannabis yeah it's not very strong yeah it's definitely it's definitely doesn't it's not going to have any terps probably <laughs> they're going to be baked yeah. off maybe some beta caryophylline but uh but I really agree with your, your thought there, Spartan. I mean, we're going to sacrifice the buds that get too close if you really can't move them away. But you're still, we, we're, we're more concerned as growers about average PPFD. And if you start cranking down the dimmer to avoid the, the maximum PPFD since your crop's gotten really close, you're going to really lower your average PPFD. That's going to lower your PPF and that's going to lower your harvest um, all over the plant. So... Uh, I'd probably nuke then I've done that before I've bleached some plants that just got too tall um, but I didn't want to dim because I would suffer the overall harvest and you know the amount of bleach buds was really small compared to the, the overall harvest there so I think a lot of growers just don't like to see their plants in distress even if it's one part of their plant but at the yeah. end of the day it's like you're saying it's a it's a risk reward type scenario and I think, I think you're right. Leaving the light up and then just getting a little bit of bleaching, probably the least loss. Yeah, I totally agree. I'd say knowing his setup though, with the scrog, I don't think it's going to be one or two buds. Like it's a pretty uniform light. And if it's pumping, like it's going to be his whole top canopy is going to be 10, 15, 20 
60 tops. I don't know. Like his, depending on sometimes his canopy yeah. is all the exact same, but sometimes he's got like one well, string a little it, taller than the other. I think that, maybe like running it at 90 or 85 or 90%. Um, because I don't, I'm only good. saying this because my yeah. best harvest grams per watt recently was when I was stress testing the velvet punch on low light, the lowest I could run my light. I talked about this. I ran 60 watts and I got 147 grams out of it. So it was, you know, a little bit airier and lighter. It's not the densest yep. bud I've ever grown, but grams per watt was still adequate. And the bud right. wasn't like- but the, the grams per square foot or the grams was way per lower. tent is yes. low. And but I'm, so, I'm not suggesting going all the way down yeah. to like as low as I did, which was about uh, 60 watts versus like 250. So I cut off almost 200 watts uh, just for stress testing for breeding purposes. But in okay. his case, he'd be going from like 100% to 95% or 90%. Yes. So this is what do you guys think that... about this, Dr. Coco? I'm curious yeah. here because this is where I'm a little lacking in light knowledge. But what about if you were taking in like DLI into consideration? And what about knocking an hour off the light cycle? No. It'd still be the it's same. Not, it's it's not, almost the same as dimming, I suppose. It's not relative. Yeah. Well, the maximum PPFD is determined by the amount of carbon dioxide available at that second. How oh, the 24 hour exposure is irrelevant. It's not going to allow you more access to carbon dioxide in that second, um, just by running the lights for, for fewer seconds during the day. So that limit, and usually with ambient levels of carbon dioxide, we say about a thousand micromoles per square meter. Um, that's second by second by second by second. And it's really irrelevant how many seconds during the course of the day, you know, that adds up to DLI, but it, it doesn't sort of, you know, offset anything else. Um, now, some plants can manage a little bit more. A lot of plants can handle 1200 without visible signs of bleaching for sure, but they would grow healthier with less light. But plants can do things to protect themselves from light. They, they have photoprotection responses. They can reallocate nutrients. They can adjust leaf angle. They can do other things that sort of prevent them from getting toxic exposure to light. Um, it's only when you sort of overwhelm their capacity to manage too much light that you start to get light bleaching. Um, so th there's degrees here. That's why we say on the other side of this, you know, if you get light bleaching, you're sort of really way too far in terms of that maximum exposure. But one of the things that I think is interesting here is, you know, testing lights. If I had a hotspot, say like 1300, right in the middle of, of a big array, say, and it was at 12 inches. And I could certainly imagine that about, you know, a foot or 18 inches away from the middle, it's only going to be a thousand. And out around the edge, it's going to be often low, you know, around the edge of the fixture. And if the fixture, you know, has it outside, like, you know, there's more canopy outside the, the shadow of the fixture or whatever, the, the PPFD is going to be really low there. So even if you have, you know, a, a scrog, like Jack was saying, and like all the tops are at the same height, it's still only going to be those that are right in the middle that are going to be getting sort of the, the toxic exposure of light and that would potentially be subject to, to bleaching. The ones that are, you know, 16, 18 inches away from like the middle or the hot spot, not that, that tent um, will probably be fine.
Well, and I think his thing is open air. I don't think he's got like reflective walls and it's completely blocked in. So I think he's probably a little bit even more safe with that. And uh, yeah, exactly. So he said the hotspot's going to be even more sort of restricted to one space and drop off. To your comment earlier about is it one centimeter, half centimeter, half an inch? He said he thinks there's a plus or minus six inch variance left. Like it could be done or there could be more like six inches more growth. And if it was six inches more, I think that he would definitely be in a maybe pulling them like further away in the scrog as he as far as he can kind of just like doc was talking about there's a hot spot in the center even in a bar light yeah so the further you can get it away from that point the better or even just lower into the scrog so taking something that's up like this and then like tucking it down if you can into sometimes i think he has multiple he said scrog city earlier so i think there's actually double uh trellis nets so if you do have more than one layer maybe tucking it into one of the bottom layers and getting creative with it where you can if you're noticing things struggle like doc was saying the photoprotective stuff like i've seen leaves taco I've seen leaves go up i've seen leaves go down uh because too much light so it the plant really does a lot before it starts to bleach and like you're saying if it does start to bleach there's probably a lot of things that you didn't notice um that happened before then that you know probably would have given right. indications that you could have maybe either moved the light up or dialed it down if either one of those things is possible still and one of the things he was saying about moving it up is that if you took the brackets off, you might be able to get four more inches. I would not recommend that if you don't have any airflow up there. The reason a lot of times they put these brackets and stuff is to kind of force a air gap, to kind of force people because they did. We know us as growers, we want to fucking, if we could screw them directly to the ceiling, we would. Yeah. So uh, you, you want to air gap. Hooking a fan that. up there. It, the issue there is heat dissipation. So yeah. if you can, you're right. Garden, but I think you can sort of overcome that by putting a clip fan up there, just blowing across the top of your fan, making sure that you have at least some room. It's not like tight to the fan um, or tight to the top of the tent or whatever. And if you're getting really close, blow air up there and make sure that you're, you're moving that heat off the fixture. But yeah, I agree with that. I'm pretty sure in his case, it is a ceiling. And uh, I definitely agree with airflow because if you've ever stuck your hand above a LED, that heat sink, it really is dumping a ton of heat up there. Yeah. And if you accidentally bump it with your hand after it's been running all day, you might even burn yourself on some of them because they do run yeah. hot enough. Many of them run if hot enough. If you let your LED get yourself. too hot, it, the, it's not going to produce as much light. The diodes drop off in the amount of light that they produce as they get hotter and hotter. And they'll burn out. I mean, they won't last as long as they would if you had run them at an optimal temperature. So you get less light. and Or with proper heat sinks, even. Some people will DIY them. Like that was popular a few years yep. ago before LED costs came down. Like the heat sinks on my lights, are they look like these giant friggin' metal bars coming out of the back. And there's a bunch of them all over the place. But like I've seen some people go with a lot smaller versions and they're still running like pretty high intensity leds and uh, I'm, I'm in total agreement with you doc that if you run them too hot they're not going to last as long and they're not going to be as efficient so yep. it's important to uh make sure that you can keep it running at that optimal temperature yeah i mean especially people that are often worried about not having enough light or wanting to get as much light as possible you got to realize that keeping your light cool means it's making more light for your plants letting it get too hot means it's going to make less light for your plants so with that said, I think we definitely touched pretty heavily on this question. Unless anybody else has uh, some final thoughts, I want to go ahead and jump over to Josh Colbert's question. Anybody else want to weigh in there or do we want to move on? Let's go for it. I just want to, add, right. I just want to add that Sour Diesel Tanji, shout out to you, buddy, in chat said that he's going to update us with some IG pics. So we'll be able to keep follow along on IG. If anyone listened, they just look up Sour Diesel Tanji on Instagram. You can follow along with us. 
And if they're up there soon enough, maybe I'll share screen and uh, we can show off his garden. He's been uh, past, I believe, guest on the show. If not, uh, he's welcome to come on even tonight if you'd like to at the second half when Doc and uh, Jordan jump out. But Josh asks, is it hard to determine taste, flavor, aroma, terpenes before harvest? Like, how do you select before you actually dry, cure, and smoke it for a while? I'll say this. Some people would say you don't. You should. DJ Short, one of the, the best breeders out there, I would argue, he made the blueberry. He argues that you shouldn't make the selection. You should keep your clones, smoke it all for a while, see how the like, cannabis is a medicine for many, see how it affects you medicinally, see how it affects the people that you work with medicinally, and uh, see how it dries and cures because often it's very different than um, I had one that smelled like, uh, not to use this brand because they just sued, uh, but it smelled like Skittles, like tropical Skittles or like sour Skittles. But then when I cured it, it kind of the smell was a little bit more subtle and uh, it was a GMO cross and some garlicky funkiness came out from underneath. It was kind of like more of a mix of that than just the pure sweetness that I got on the live plant. Um, so that would have been like something that maybe... I wouldn't have picked for or would have been surprised by if I didn't keep the clone of it or something like that. So it's important to actually wait and see when you try and cure it, how it smokes, in my opinion. But uh, I guess I'll pass it over to Spartan Grown over there. I see I'm kind of nodding and I'm curious what your thoughts are on this question. So for one, I could probably talk for a while on this, but for one, it's it all kind of determines on what size funeral hunt are you doing? Um, that's a big one. Because if you're doing a hundred count phenol hunt or you're doing a, a, a two count phenol hunt, you know, your strategy is going to be a little bit different. You know, when you have these large numbers, you're going to have to, you're pro it's probably not super feasible to, to keep a clone of every single one. You're going to want to weed some out before, before you get to the smoke test um, when you have a hundred of them. But most people that were watching this show, that's not the case. So we'll just skip that conversation. <laughs> and, and so at home, if you've just got a couple of phenos, and even though you got, you know, you have to worry about plant count when you're pheno hunting, because if you're going to keep a clone for every one of those, that's, they, they may or may not, depending on the local laws, count against you in, in plant count. Um, so that conversation aside, I'm just bringing these up because those are all caveats. So put that to the side, depending on the laws and everything. If you have no restrictions, you can keep a lot of clones in a clone dome. So if you have two, three, four, four phenol um, run, it doesn't take much to just, I mean, hell, you don't even have to have clone domes. You could stick it in just a, a cup of soil and keep it alive long enough for you to dry, cure, and smoke test it, just so you have those genetics backed up. If, and there's another thing is some of these longer cures. I've had strains that in like a two month after like two months, it changes. You're like, yeah. what? I mean, that could be one terpene flashing off maybe. And then the other terpenes make a whole different flavor. I don't know what that is, but it changes after long cures sometimes. And I've had cases to where I've made that call after smoking it even. And I'd be like, yeah, that was not a keeper. And then, you know, I get to the bottom of the jar, you know, a month later and I'm like, God damn it. I wish I kept that. So um, those are all kind of things to think of. But if you're just straight trying to get through a bunch of phenos, as you grow plants, you're going to see plant morphologies that you like for your space. You know, is it going to be short and fat? Is it going to be, you know, lanky and all that? So you're going to make, start making these decisions before um, you smoke it, or you're going to be checking these boxes in your head at least. And uh, even if something is absolutely amazing smoke, but it grows nine foot tall in a six foot space, 
it's not a keeper. I'm sorry. It's just not a keeper. So um, you got to take all those things into consider consideration. But I would always recommend what Jack's saying is if you can, I mean, I don't see a reason why you couldn't other than maybe if they count them as plants and plant count, then it would be difficult. But even then you could take cuts and wrap them in, 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 uh, but in paper towel and soak them in a little bit of, give them a little bit of moisture and put them in the refrigerator and they'll stay alive like that for a week or so. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Um, especially from a flavor perspective and like, you're right, like plant count aside and, and all of that hunting these special cuts is what I think is one of the most like meaningful parts of being a cannabis grower. Um, and I've totally had that same experience where, you know, our, uh, my last creature feature smelled so different in week four, like some sort of uh, oops, all berries, crunch berry cereal than it did in week eight when it got very, very funky or the first time I smoked it off the dry. And then after it was cured, it was almost like chocolate by the end of it. So again, like you said, I don't know what's transmuting or just different flavors being removed. So other ones become more dominant. That's definitely a thing. And then I'll say even further, like, I'm just so fascinated by the endless complexity of flavor. Um, you know, when we give a cut to four different indoor growers in Illinois, and they all come back different and beautiful in their own ways, or sometimes a cut will change over time to where the yeah. flavors just alter and adapt. Um, this is something we see in coffee a lot too. So, so yes, you want to preserve those cuts, but also like enjoy them in the time they are because they may change. You know, I, I hope that cannabis can take some lessons from the coffee industry in some senses. When we talk about coffee, we often refer to the region before we refer to the cultivar. And I think that's really, really telling about, about what, what terroir may contribute and, and kind of highlighting the farming practices of these regions. And, you know, I've tasted one crop that was totally different from the last year's crop just because of a change of weather. I was actually talking yeah. to Dr. Coco about some of the changes um, in these Colombian beans. And I don't think cannabis is all that different. I, I, I don't have any evidence to back that up, but I certainly believe that. Well, we, I think we do have evidence that shows I think that there's some difference. There is, but there's some evidence that the same strain grown in different conditions by different it's growers totally different. ends up tasting and, and smoking in very different ways. Um, so to that extent, I certainly think that there's more to it than just thinking about the, the cultivar itself or, or something along those Closer lines. comparison would, I guess, be like hops. And then even like similar, I guess, would be wine. And they're all sort of flavorful intoxicants, yeah. coffee being more of a stimulant. I actually but, think wine well, is start, better because if only, for the, coffee. <laughs> well, if only for the fact that coffee, I feel like my understanding is like coffee, the different kinds of coffee several different kinds like the the species are a little are a lot more different and divergent i think maybe i'm totally wrong here but that's no, kind well, of my understanding but like a lot of it's been gmo making, recently because it doesn't grow like really well in direct sunlight it mostly has to be in shaded areas to my understanding so well, a lot of places traditionally we grow coffee um and many other crops for that matter are um becoming sort of inhospitable to the plant which is sort of yes frightening for those industries <laughs> Yes, there's less and less coffee land every year. Um, and it is another plant medicine that people love. Like you said, it is a stimulant and it goes so well with cannabis. And I just think that the flavors, there's, there's a lot of similarities in there, you know? Um, and, and so I think there's a lot of lessons we can learn from that industry. Um, I, would agree. I agree with that, actually. Flavor profile and how various things like genetics, cultivation strategy, climate, um, nutrition, uh, those other kinds of variables in all come together to create kind of flavor profiles. So, because it's not just, 
uh, sort of what coffee you're growing, but where you're growing it and how you're growing it that contributes to that flavor. And I think and that's certainly a lesson that's true for cannabis cultivation. And, and I feel like coffee and tea are a lot like that in that yeah. like the processing post-harvest Obviously, there's a lot, there's tons of factors, right? I'm not trying to discount that, but I do feel like there's a great similarity in the marketing and also the sort of um, the the consumption, but also the processing and the, the of it in like a, in a, uh, not destructive, not the right word for it, but I guess it is kind of, you know, this, this permanent altering effect, you know, you get black teas and you got green teas and they're different levels of processing and different kinds. You got right. pan fried and all that other stuff, so yeah, I feel like after you harvest it, how we change it up afterwards has a lot of interesting similarities. And, and like, enjoy this harvest. Like, yes, save your cultivars. And like I said, that's that's like kind of the whole point of this thing to a lot of growers, but also like enjoy this harvest now, Yeah. right? That nostalgia, that, that strain that you remember from exactly. back in the day. Exactly. Like, I got into that with crop preservation stuff, thinking about seed banks and other stuff and people's efforts to try to do crop genetic preservation. And how it, how difficult it is, and they have to recognize that things keep changing, and we need to actually keep changing the seeds that we're preserving, like the seed vaults. We need to grow out seeds periodically and collect new seeds and save those. And every time we do that, it it, it changes a little bit, um, but we need to sort of accept that change and yeah, that awesome plant you have today, and that you. It, you know, you think you want to have that exact same experience over and over and over again, but I often believe that we really want to keep looking for the next great sort of slightly different experience too. So let that be part of sort of the, the ride and the journey with cannabis and with coffee, I would argue, and with wine and our other, I mean, let's face it, drug crops, right? Because I, <laughs> these are all things. Food too. Tobacco. Shit. That's what in really America, anything. one of the most yeah. grown, but it's yeah. also smoked. It's there's now like controversy about flavors being banned, like here in California and things like that. But yeah. as Doc was yeah, mentioning, back to the question. Biology is uh, slippery. <laughs> there's no way to know the taste, yeah. flavor, or potency unless you cure it, dry it, and smoke it. Uh, yeah, I think that's the my subtext opinion. of all the yeah. answers, right? But, like, but Tao, you know, there's clues, not. right, Tao? I mean, you can stem rub. There's a clue. You can... Uh, no, because like you say, it changes from that stem rub I know, drastically what, by the time it's done. A little bit. I'm saying, hold on, tendencies. Hold on, me, but I'm saying clue. I'm saying let's clue. Give a second to finish right. this thought. I'm if saying it's a, a clue, ton, though. Well, I didn't... I should have prefaced. Yeah, if you have a ton of seeds, there's other things that you can, um, you know, uh, weed out or, you know, uh, call out that you don't want. You go by the morphology, like Spartan saying, if one plant is uh, unhealthy or whatever, runty looking that you don't like, you could kill it. Or if it grows to the ceiling immediately, you could kill it. You know, there's other ways of culling, uh, but for taste and flavor and potency, I don't think, well, you know, you could see if there's resin growing on it in veg, that might be an indication of potency. But other than that, yeah, you see, now you're making me think, so. Let, there could be other, if you see resin on third veg, you can pretty much guess it's going to be resiny at the end too. So I think really, I guess the best answer would be like every answer to cannabis is it depends, but I think experience, man, um, experience with plants, as you grow more and more plants, you're going to start to recognize, you're going to be able to tell by just looking at plants, like, oh, this one's going to be special or, oh, this one is like 10 times frostier than anything I've ever fucking grown before. Or this one I can tell in veg is stinking so hard right now that I've never had a plant 
you know, smell this strong in veg. There's going to be little things like that. Stink, yeah, and what you're looking for, yeah. what you're looking for is the unicorn. That's what you're looking for as a keeper. Something that stands out from everything, you know, something that's unique. This is my opinion. This is my opinion, but you're looking for that unicorn and uh, things like that. Like those things I was just saying were, Oh, this has never happened before. Or this is, you know, rare. You know, that's strawberry cough want. is that way. It stinks in veg. Every single yeah. time I've ever had a real strawberry cough cut, I can smell strawberries in veg before it's even flowering a little bit. And, Unicorns, the standout ones, the winners are really obvious sometimes. Like Humboldt Seed Company, in my opinion, is one of the best breeders out there. They do like million seed hunts and they hunt through a lot of stuff. They do call a bunch of it, but they go through fields with notes and they have clones, everything. Granted, they're in the California legal market, they can get away with they don't have plant counts, they have canopy sizes. But even in like Michigan, cuts don't count until they have roots. And a lot of states, it's like unless they're six inches or sexually mature, they don't count. Or you gotta look up your own legal state laws and everything like that. But that aside, they have some of the craziest flavors because they've done these massive hunts and they send out not just one, two, they send out a whole team and they're all taking notes and they're all tagging their best favorite plant. And in time, they'll, you know, they have the cuts of it. They smoke it, they cure it and everything else too. But on the live plant, a lot of the time, the standouts are obvious. Like one they have is called pineapple upside down cake. I passed on that clone probably like six years ago at this point. And I kicked myself in the butt because two years after I passed on it, I got a jar of it. And I opened it and it smelled like straight pineapples with like a little hint of like vanilla and cakiness. And it was one of the best smells, tastes and highs I'd ever come across. It's like, damn, I feel stupid for passing on that. And they hunted it in one of their, they have a bunch of crazy flavors though, like that. Like some of their stuff, you'd look at their descriptions and be like, there's no fucking way that's going to taste like that. But in my experience, several of the ones that I've tried have been like dead ringers to what they advertise. So doing massive hunts, which many of us don't have available <laughs> to find that unicorn can be really rewarding. But even in a small hunt, Josie Wales found Gorilla Glue 4 in a hunt of like six seeds. So it's, and the beauty it's possible. Of it is, the beauty of it is because I just saw a comment in chat. Uh, Brian 420 PM says many don't want unicorns, but uniformity. That's a unicorn, man. Uniformity is a unicorn in the cannabis space. At this point, for sure. So, hey, man, I'm just saying is you are the, the master of your own destiny here. You get to pick what you want. That's the beauty of it. So if that's what you're looking for, then reverse what we just said you know, pick what you want, you know, find the ones that the, the traits that you're looking for. And that's what's the best part of home growing is you get to get the one that you fucking want. You get to search for that one that, that, that checks all those boxes for you. It doesn't matter whatever everybody else says. It matters what, what you're looking for. So I encourage that. Like if that's what you're looking for, it's the most uniform plant ever. Just hunt until you find that man. And, and then just grow the shit out of it. Ken, my, Ken Bog uh, and OG both came from small hunts too. Sorry, go ahead, Matthew. My answer for the question, though, in, in general terms, kind of like what we were already saying, is can you know for sure what it's going to be like? No. Sometimes the aroma changes very radically. Sometimes I don't really experience that very often, to be honest. Um, but I have I have experienced it somewhat, or or like one note or a couple of notes will kind of become just much more prominent. Maybe doesn't like radically change, but like, but the proportions can sometimes. And, you know, a bunch of other factors related to what you do after harvest is going to have that effect too. So like, can you know exactly what the end product you experience is going to be like in that way? No. Plus all of the factors of your own physiology, plus experience that you're having and all of that extraneous stuff. But can you get, can you kind of have an idea? I would say so. I would say so. Like, like a, Tao was saying and, and other people were saying on the panel I think that like that's pretty self-evident a lot of people otherwise it would be totally unpredictable and 
we do have a predictability and a uniformity problem in the cannabis space, that's true. But um, I would say that people do have some level of that and uh, consistency is possible in some cases. So there's gotta be some of that going on, obviously. I liked what Spartan Grown said too about like having clues, right? Like you follow these clues and you hope that it turns out the way you want it, the way that you envisioned it, right? Like the two things that you wanted from the parents or, or you're hunting through a pack and, and you know you're after this certain thing. And, and there are definitely clues, but, but like you said, nature is just too diverse to know until what's done is done. I will say fresh frozen for BHO or rosin. Those guys have the best clue because they're taking it and within, you know, like sometimes 12 hours of the plant being alive, you have a finished product that smells like the live plant tastes like the live plant. I haven't gotten to try any of for yet, but everybody raves about his uh, BHO and how, you know, terpy and amazing it is. And his, he describes his plants as smelling like that. And like Matthew mentioned, I think more often than not, if it smells like that on the plant, it's going to smell like that in the dry and the cure. Sometimes it does change. And maybe like the pheno that you thought wasn't as special, maybe like something comes out more pronounced and you're like, oh, it is actually amazing. And the other one that I thought was special while I was live uh, becomes a little bit more dull in the dry and the cure, but uh, it's just worth the experience. It's worth trying and, and keeping notes and writing down the stuff and, and figuring out which one you like and prefer the best. That's actually happened to me with one of the strains that you tried while you were over here, Jack. We both kind of agreed that it was a nice, really mellow strain, but it wasn't very stony. I swear to God, it's gotten stonier over the last couple of months. I just smoked a bunch of it the other day. I was like, damn, this is heavier than I thought it was. So that um, happens in the cure, I think, for a few yeah, reasons. Yeah, it's it, exactly. Things keep changing, and I've definitely given up pretty much on strains thinking I didn't like them before. And then kind of like ran low of other stuff and kind of like reverted back to them. Like, oh, it's a hell of a lot better than I thought it was. The nice thing about that is you don't get the strain tolerance too. If you stay away from it for a little while, you come yeah. back to it. But then on top of that, I think the water content in the cure gradually goes, let's say it's like a 10, 11, 12% or something. Right. Maybe it drops down to like an eight or a nine or a 7%. So it's just a little slightly. But if you think about that few percent water content change, if the cannabinoid content is relatively the same, and there's less water content, that means what you're smoking is a higher percentage of cannabinoids. That's why like some of this really bone dry uh, dispensary bud yeah. tests pretty high because yeah. there's so little water in it. All that's left is basically resin and some plant material. So their tests actually do when like it's like high 30s or even like touching on 40s now. People are like, oh, there's no fucking way. There's no fucking way. Well, I'm seeing it in enough labs and there's only like 30 labs in California and they're all very, very highly regulated. Like 10 of them have already been permanently shut down for cheating. And I don't think those other 20 that have spent multi-million dollars are just like, you know, taking bribes. So the fact that there's still a bunch of 40% tests popping up there tells me that there probably is some legitimate and it always tends to be the same few strains. It's like Jealousy, Donnie Burger, and a few of the other uh, crosses I can't think of right off the top of my head right now. But the Donnie Burger crosses always tend to be up there, high 30s or low 40s. And um, so I, I do think that there's a potential that that water content thing plays into the cure and uh, changing and making the question that we got from, who was it? I don't know Josh that Colbert I agree about- Harder to answer. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying about the testing. I don't necessarily know that that makes it a better experience though. Um, I, I think that- It can be worse for some people like Kyle. He likes yeah. one-to-one gummies and two-to-one gummies. If he had a 41 percenter, it would send his ass into a bad place. And like, and it can also make not the, the best thing uh, for everyone. The smoke harsher if it's too dry and you're smoking it, you're gonna combust more of the carbon. 
it tastes um, like cardboard and and it almost tastes hashy at some points if it's really well like dried and cured but they got yeah. the water content down and it still tastes terpy it, at a certain point when it's so, so resinous it actually starts to just taste like a lower grade hash like that maybe has a little bit more plant material in it or something yeah and you know not to take a little bit of the magic out of it but like you know there's millions and millions of dollars have been spent understanding we talk about this all the time how your body works with, with detecting aromas and flavors right and sometimes if you get a, you know a little whiff of one thing and also all of our noses are slightly different obviously but like you know you get some compounds some aromas your perception of them changes and i'm not an expert in this field but you know it can change very radically just from the proportions being different like i was saying earlier and your experience you know, certain aromas, they are, or certain compounds are responsible for perceptions that we have that are actually not in our minds very similar. And yet, you know, um, that, that, that does happen. So like that can also happen too, where what you, what were you smelling on a plant as they were developing? And also as you had other air and other things getting into your nostrils could be very different from when you've chopped, harvested, um, uh, you know, dried, cured, put it in a jar or whatever container you are. And then you go to smell the jar, you go to take it out. You know, a lot of things have happened there and uh, you might start smelling things that weren't there before, but they are there before. It's just that our brains are very interesting in how they read that, uh, that input. In uh, 50 strains of purple, one of the first things that I write, and I also kind of mentioned this in 50 strains of green, but I wanted to make it super clear is there's biovariability in human beings and in plants. So like even between the same phenotype, um, we've talked about how different cuts there, they can change within the same grow room, like over time. But um, people, like you were just talking about, we all have different senses of smell. So like we could all 10 of us smell the same jar of bud. And if we all silently wrote down what we smelled, all 10 of us are probably gonna have slightly different notes. There might be certain common things that we all pick up, but I would guarantee pretty much all 10 of us write a different description. They're not gonna be word for word, the same exact thing. So I couldn't agree more with you there on that. And, um, but something I guess to call back, I guess way back to the, and not to bring into the whole wine conversation, but something about their terroir is to be called champagne, you have to be grown in the champagne region of France. And within that, it's not just, you have to be within that region, you have to follow a certain cultivation. Um, they have certain types of soils, they have certain types of work agreements, like, Every single one's a little bit different, but if you look really deeply into this stuff, like they have a lot that has to be consistently held from season to season. And like, so a lot of the things do stay the same, although the weather changes, but that's why people are like, oh, that 2019 champagne was terrible, but the 2016 was great or whatever it is, if you are even into champagne at all. But a lot of the wines are like that. If you know a certain name, often they're tied back to a region in France that has that's very specific. Seven was great. If you're, not, if you're drinking 67, George, you're killing it. They should start, um, are they going to start uh, dating like coffee that the 1992 Colombian coffee harvest was awesome. If you could get a pound of that, it's going to be an extra $500 or something. I think for hash, hash keeps kind of okay, like dry sift and like temple balls tend to store a little bit more than a year, but most legal states I find are making one year, the expiration date. And then in a lot of people's mind, it's just like not good anymore. I've smoked a lot of the stuff that's past a year, uh, whether it's from my own home grow or from, you know, markets where it's no longer sellable and somehow people get access to it. But uh, I, I don't think that it's suddenly all of a sudden bad after a year by any means, but no, to a lot of people, bad. it's less desirable. It doesn't have as much terpene 
content, it's tended to be a little bit more sleepy. Um, maybe higher I, you know, I've always liked vintage bud, man. I, I keep bud for years, small amounts of stuff. I now smoke like, like this old stuff. I'm gonna have to bust out some vintage bud with Jordan here and we'll smoke some some like two, three-year-old bud. Yeah, man. And I mean, I think it, it it's different. It's got a unique flavor and really unique high. I I really freaking like it. I mean, I think it's like a, a fine wine in a certain respects. I know that for a lot of reasons it isn't, but it, it becomes a different product that certainly I think is still desirable. As long as it's not moldy or gone bad or something, I don't, I mean, no, I think it, it's, it just continues to age and mature. Yeah, We need to educate the market on that because pretty much no one is uh, aware of it. I, I've heard very few people talk about what you just mentioned. DJ Short, who I mentioned kind of at the top of the show, is one of them. He has a strain called Happy Pussy, which is like uh, on the seed pack. It's like a Cheshire cat smiling. And then right. he's like, what, what were you thinking? But um, it's a really sativa plant, like really super uplifting, like uh, invigorating. But he's not super into that kind of high in, or at this point in his life, I guess. And he likes that one after it's cured two or three years. And he's like yeah. mentioned that several times. But he just, I guess, grows enough of it that he's had it around and like gets to sample it and like, oh, this I is really good. Have two one. I have a sativa too that I, I have that's two, three years old. Shine at one of the the super silver hazes um, that is just better now. I mean, it's just a better high now. When it first came down, it was it was too kind of I don't know too sativa y. And so it can again, be a little like, too zippy, like an uncomfortable level of. Uh, invigoration i guess for some people or in certain situations but it does time and i think that as we get more of it sitting around that's not being sold like whether it's canada oregon right. california um they're not actually destroying it a lot of these places i know they're supposed to many of them it's you see it like there's i have friends in florida who are buying like expired pre-rolls from california that you know have all the testing and everything on them and some of them are probably even fake so it's crazy the uh, the markets and how they work. But has anybody not gotten away in on this? Because I got a little bit uh, sidetracked and distracted. No, I'm, uh, no, no, I, I've, uh, I, I wanted to clarify because I saw some funny comments in chat. Jordan River, for those of you that weren't here at the beginning of the show, is here live with me in my office. Uh, it's not that I'm like doing two voices and <laughs> pretending to be him or something. I saw somebody like, damn, Dr. Coco sounds like Jordan River. <laughs> like, yeah, it is. It yeah, is. shout out to chat. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. Yeah, yeah, uh, man. I, I wasn't going to say anything. I'm just, I was just going to say I'm a fan of the whole genre. I love old weed, fresh weed. As soon as it'll burn in a bowl, I'm consuming it. Yeah. I'll save it for as long as I can. And uh, yeah, I'm a fan of the whole genre. But, but yeah, shout out to the Jen. weed genre. Yeah, the cannabis genre. Well, that's I right. think that's where a lot of maybe some of that old skunky stuff came from. It was just sitting around or it got really hot in transport. It was like smuggled from state to state or country to country. Oh, man. It just got hot. So, like, some of this stuff was like older or it just wasn't handled properly. And maybe some of the uh, smells and things that we had of old were just product of like we were talking about earlier, how it was handled after the harvest. It could smell one way when it was alive. I have a buddy, uh, Ohio's Captain Dank, over in, uh, I believe it's Thailand right now. And he's saying that basically all the stuff there is like really heavy citrusy. But a lot of the Thai that came over here, people note it for how spicy it is. And he's saying if they dry and cure it there with like air conditioning, it's just really like lemon, lime, like lots of uh, limonene terpenes, where most people here think of really spicy stuff when it comes curious to the Thai. Curious, because 
I'm curious if that a lot of the in the older time, and I don't want to monopolize too much time because I know these guys have to leave, but terpenes, beta caryophylline has the highest flashpoint basically. So maybe just by the time it got here, all the terpenes had been heated off. The only thing left is beta caryophylline, and everybody thought it was spicy because of that. That makes sense. Like I said, I had that tin from the 90s. My buddy gave me some old Thai seeds and it still smelled spicy. <laughs> it was in it. And it wasn't because the Altoid container, it was like a cinnamon Altoid, but it was just like a super, super spot. Like, like I've grown spicy, hazy stuff and it smelled just like that. But with that said, Kyle Breeder also has to get going at the last five minutes. So I'm going to pass it to him first to give his final thoughts and shout out before we uh, can get over to Doc and Jordan. Kyle, where can the people find you? Oh, sorry. Sorry, buddy. Um, yeah. Um, sorry, I got to leave so early, guys. Uh, I'm really happy everybody's here. Jordan, it's really nice to see you again. I ain't talked to you in quite a while. Hope you're doing all right. And uh, yeah, if you're looking for feminized seeds and uh, coming soon, some reg seeds. I have some uh, Panama Red 1972 uh, that are basically germinating now. I have some uh, NL5. I have some seeds that uh, are straight from Ghazni, Afghanistan that are, are going right now and some uh, 1980 skunk. Some really cool stuff coming, but you can find all that at purebreeding.com. My Instagram is pure underscore breeding. My Facebook is Kyle Breeder. If you have only email access or if that's all you really want to do is uh, you can email me at purebreeding, the letter M, the letter A at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, see you guys all uh, this coming week. And uh, yeah, take care. Have a good one, Kyle. Thank you for joining us. Next up, we got Dr. MJ and Jordan. Absolutely. I am Dr. MJ Coco from CocoForCannabis.com. Um, and I'm going to go cook Jordan River a pizza. So <laughs> we're going to get out of here and keep getting high. And I'm going to start cooking pizza. It's going to be fun. And you guys, uh, you know, we're going to miss you. But I'll be back next week and I'll uh, toss it over to my good buddy, Jordan River. Uh, yeah. P pizza day. <clears throat> yeah. We're having a pizza day. <laughs> Sounds fun. No, uh, thank you for having me. Appreciate you, Jack. Um, I wanted to give a shout out to uh, Matthew Gates as well. Thank you for coming to the living soil class yesterday, man. It was great to see you. Um, I'm going to try to get down here so we can actually kick it longer. You and I, um, and I saw some people asking in the chat, um, find everything at growcastpodcast.com. Someone was asking about the Living Soil Masterclass Tour. Find all our dates at growcastpodcast.com slash classes. We're in Buffalo, Toronto, uh, Virginia, uh, Honolulu. We got a couple of dates. Thank you all for your support. And once again, thank you for having me, Jack. Thank you, panelists, uh, Tao, uh, Spartan Grown, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. And thank you, Jack. Grower love, everyone. Peace Grow out, love, guys. Boys. Good seeing you. Thank you, guys. Great to have you. And uh, yeah. Have a great one. We'll uh, finish up with one question before I share the link with the uh, chat. Funny enough, when I went over to Doc's house, we also had pizza. So he must be a fan of pizza. He's a super cool guy. It's funny. They said pizza date, just like I was joking when I met Doc for the first time. But it was totally like nothing uh, other than just having pizza and smoking some good herb and chilling. What's more perfect, man? What's a more perfect thing to go with fucking weed and some pizza, man? I could, I, you know, I agree. I've got some Italian in my blood and... Uh, stereotype it up and admit that i fucking love pizza i just got a stomach in my fucking body man and i get the munchies when i'm high <laughs> i don't know man dutch people love tobacco too typically and that didn't come from the netherlands <laughs> america exports more than just our entertainment i'll say that um but we've got a question from way back that i hadn't i feel a little guilty we didn't get to it earlier i'm sorry kate armstrong and i saw a bunch of people uh even anything grows uh, and a few others in the chat who jumped in helped answer and give their thoughts on this 
But Kate Armstrong says, can you sex test clones in the cloner on 12-12 light cycle, light schedule? Or is it better to clone under 24 slash zero till you get roots, then go 12-12? And I'll kick it to uh, Spartan first. Oh, yep. Just go take a fucking cut, put it in some a cup of water and throw it in your flower room. You don't have to have roots. Or if you're doing it in cloner, which is kind of cool. If you wanted to dedicate a cloner, that that's kind of expensive, but that's kind of a cool idea. Um, yeah, you can just fucking flip them over there with no roots at all, and they'll still start that flipping process and root same time. I might, might do that a, because it might take about two weeks. But I'm thinking now. I'm thinking cloner. I'm thinking cloner in the fucking flower room is kind of a cool idea. Just a small little one, then you don't even have to fuck with it. You just put it in and let it run. My clone area is separate than my veg area. They're like right next to each other in little separate chambers. But uh, I might try that to verify some sex testing sometime uh, or even just to save money on the sex test and see how much time it would actually save versus like doing that to identify what the sex Dude, I haven't be. sex tested anything in a year. I'm in tiny, tiny square footage, though. I mean, like my flower space is five square feet. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 for sure. So it definitely helps with that if I want to get like more than a couple harvests per year. Because uh, I'm, although I was mentioning how awesome it is to keep cool clones that you find, especially the unicorns, I like to pop just a bunch of seeds all the time because I'm in Southern California where there's tons of killer clones just floating around for like 10 or 15 bucks. And many of them are actually clean nowadays. So you can go get a pretty damn good clone. But I think it's fun to hunt for those unicorns yourself because there's a lot of really cool breeders out there doing different work. A lot of the clones are like the popular stuff that you'll see in the dispensaries. But if you like a certain strain that's like not popular anymore or um, just has some of the stuff, I've, I, it's cool to be able to be like, I'm smoking some shit that you can't buy in the dispensary, motherfucker. Like this is a tester <laughs> or like I bred this shit myself. Like you can't smoke this, this velvet punch. Like unless you grew it, unless you were one of the fucking, you know, hundred people I sent it to, you don't have this shit. So <laughs> it's cool to have some exclusivity and literally know like, all right, yeah, there's no one else out there with this. Shit. Like the first time I grew the velvet punch F3, when I hadn't sent out any F3 testers yet. And I had like my stress test, my regular one and whatever, like, testing all the different phenos it was it, cool to think like there's no one else on the fucking planet right now smoking this shit that i had yeah. right here it felt like like pineapple pineapple express almost at that moment where like bro i didn't do a very good job with uh, making the my my uh pollen not transfer around so looking like i'm having some some vortex crosses in my fucking room i'm so fucking excited for <laughs> you don't even know uh, dude, pollen gets everywhere. Like, if, if you're going to plan to do bro, breeding, you know you what I did today? every female in your whole entire vicinity is going to be pollinated. Bro, you know what I did today? Did you see my Instagram? I saw some of the outdoor stuff, but I cut down, I cut down my two male vortex that I hadn't watered in like two weeks, you know, so they're, they're well dead and dry. Oh my God, dude, even with a dust mask on and everything, I had to take allergy medicine. My nose was all plugged up. And I was, I was harvesting it, like cutting branches out because it's in a scrog. So I'm cutting branches out and I'm smashing them on a fucking uh, uh, trim tray to smash. <laughs> and then I just had this whole trim tray full of like male flowers and just heaps of fucking pollen. And I just shook it and sifted it out. And and, and uh, man, I got like a little, it's in the freezer, but I got a little jar of pollen now that's fucking easily that much pollen <laughs> stacked in it. <laughs> I don't know how viable it's going to be because it's late stage, but fuck it. I've just decided it didn't take, I mean, 
I had to cut them out of there anyway. As long as it's dry, it. man, it should work. Uh, I put all I did was put a little mason jar, those little mason jar, those size, I think they're pints that jelly comes in, those little shorter ones. I just put like a little layer of white rice in the bottom and then fucking filled the rest of it with the pollen. I had a tin foil. I just put fresh tin foil on the bottom of the trim tray so I have a fresh surface for it to fall on. So I just picked up the tin foil, folded it, and just dumped it in. That was smart because that shit probably would have caked your the plastic of that trim tray, and it's sticky. Oh, yeah. But the first time I made seeds, like, and I had a bunch of just male pollen flying around, you get it in the back of your throat, and it's there for days, man. It's just like it's cannabis pollen. I don't know if it's different. The consistency than is so pollen. fluffy, dude, and look airy and fluffy. It's just like it's like a fine powder, like yeah. ultra ultra fine powder. Highly suggest wearing a mask. Uh, I'm curious, Tao, do you have any thoughts on the uh, using it's I'll reread the question real quick. Kate Armstrong asks, can you sex test clones in the cloner on 1212 light cycle? Or is it better to clone under 24 slash zero till you get roots, then go to 1212? Well, like, yeah, if you want to just find out the sex, you could just do it 12 and 12 straight off. Like Spartan says, someone back in the day, that's what they said you should do. And it, it, some plants would be like only 10 days and you'll be able to tell it's a girl or a boy. But um, it takes a little long. It takes about two weeks for me, usually. On right. Two to, but maybe sometimes a little bit more, but about two weeks before I start really seeing. Skunkman yeah, Sam's old trick he claimed was like for indica or hybrid, 24 mm-hmm. to 48 hours in the dark. And then you just watch it closely for the next, you know, seven to 14 days and it'll show you the sex. And he said sativa, you have to give it like 72 hours in the dark and then watch it for the next, you know, seven, 10 Oh, I thought he just said put it in flour for one day and then sativas put it into flour for like three days and then take it back into veg and it'll show. That might be what it is, probably. Yeah, because if you go dark 72 days with uh, certain plants, they'll just straight up die. Well, that's cool. I haven't tried that. But I think that, uh, to be honest, it's more more consistent to just do what we're talking about, going straight to the 1212. If you're not going to grow that plant out, I'm not using it for sex yeah. purpose. Exactly, because yeah. you could, like, if you have a whole room full of what you want to be mothers, you could just take cuts, put do that quick, and then you'll know which ones are the boys, and then kill, kill those and kill the clones, and then take fresh ones off of the still vegging plant, so they'll be vigorous and quicker and better for, for cloning. All right, I'm about to uh, share the Zoom link with the chat here in just a second. So we might have some listeners come show off their garden or ask some questions live. Maybe Sour Diesel Tangy will jump in here, but we'll to see. To add on to that last question, Chicha B brings up a good point. Like if you are growing bigger plants and have a longer veg, she's like, I just let them, let them sex and I don't push it. Like, yeah, if you have a longer veg where you can veg your plants for a longer period of time, and you can, you can see sex before you even flip. Hey, that's that's probably even easier yet, right? But not everybody has you know has that luxury. I'll say when I um, first started growing in my new spot, I was growing a blue dream cross and some cocoa, and I had way too big of pots. And I kind of went with my old technique, which like veg for sixty days and then flip them, and they were definitely showing pre-sex before they're feminized seeds actually so they're both clearly female and i think they were in like one gallon pots and veg and i put them in three gallon pots for flour oh man 
<laughs> my veg the next grow was 30 days if that tells you anything because these fuckers grew out of fucking control like they were all up in the lights like i had like literally went through probably five or six nets where i just made like two layers of trellis <laughs> yeah. and then it would broke through it and then i'd cut the bottom one off and like do another one on top cut the bottom one off do another one on top and just kept on bending it like slowly letting it inch its way up and that was one like where spartan mentioned like i just had to and at the time i had too much light for my spot so i had to let certain buds get bleached and i ended up losing like i don't know 10 or 15 grams to bleach bud but i got several hundred grams on the harvest and it ended up being super terpy like great high and it looked ugly as hell but for uh, the first crop and a new spot with uh you know not too much uh good equipment set up i was just happy to have a little bit of smoke and it made fantastic cash too so it ended that's, up turning out all right. That's cool. Yeah. It's cool when you have a way to, to, to make a save, right? Like, so it's not a total loss. That That's super cool when you have ways to do that. And there's so many ways people just Google something, you know, hey, this is my problem. What do I do? <laughs> and you'll get a lot of a lot of ideas. So we have a Roger S. trying to join. We also have Dog Doctor, who's a familiar friend of the show. Um, Roger S., if you just want to message me in the chat, maybe I'll recognize who you are but I don't want to say your whole name and uh, like dox you because it looks like a government name, not a cannabis community name. So I'm not expecting to do to be like a weird flasher or anything crazy, but I did see a unfamiliar name. So I didn't immediately click admit to the show, but welcome dog doctor. Good to see you again. Hi guys. Good to see you. Thank you for having me. Let me click just this background. No. get the virtual background off and then we'll see some of your garden i, I know last there week you, you wanted to come on and show off you said you did maybe some topping or something you want to show oh, off some of the results you, wait till you see this dwc or, or yeah it's a d no it's not a dwc plan is it no it's a, the, the, the pot single pot that, that's, yeah the dude, single pot. That, that's that thing is retarded that, that, one. that thing, <laughs> that thing yeah. is just retarded <laughs> it's so, the opposite it's growing fast it seems Dudes, this last get down, week get down underneath it and show them underneath well retarded means like look slow and slow thing. and look slow at growing. this thing <laughs> look at this i love this plant i love this plant man it's a beast this man. Is what, a, what size pot that's one liters? plant this is uh five gallons 16 liters i should have gone bigger on this i think i have to water five liters every day and she's still just day 13 flower and i fully fully had her one week ago or something i mean completely i i, I let it hold like this and she's still going and going she's a little bit yellow uh but she's she's, she's getting the green back now she's on that uh, the pellets the, those pellets the, the organic ones from aptos i love that thing but I think she's been there way too long, so I will. I will be. Listen, so those pellets to... are dry. Just do you just top dress those, or do you just dissolve them in water? What I do is I mix it with the soil oh, before okay. I transplant, yeah, release, and then so. they, they store there and they slow release. Yes, but I think she's in a pot for way too long. She's way too big, Mama, and she she probably eat it all. So yeah, she probably needs will... some more. Looks like she's ah, big enough for like would have wanted a seven gallon. I would guess maybe even a ten. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is what I did for this one, and uh, I should. When I transplanted her, I thought about that, and uh, I didn't listen to myself. And I should know better. We always have to listen to ourselves. But you can kind, kind of, of plant by, that. Yeah. Which, which strain? 
This is a bubble OJ gum. So it's a bubble yeah. gum crossed with an OJ kush. Oh, okay. Bubble gum. Yeah, bubble with OJ kush. Uh, she was not supposed to become so big, so she still has space. So I'm not really worried, but she's going to be a beast. <laughs> 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 she, Dude, sometimes the ones that starve taste the best. Like she's looking like she might start to yellow out yeah. here in a little bit, but sometimes when they starve, like they end up being super smooth smoke. Uh, they might not produce as much, and it might not be maybe as potent, but uh, they can end up fine. You might want to top dress it if you can with just like a little like something natural, maybe some worm castings if you have that to make maybe some of the stuff that's in there a little bit more available with some microbes. Um, but yeah, I mean. I think that I this do, is going to finish up pretty the, pretty solid. No, she's a fighter. This one, she she didn't want to pop. When she popped, she popped all the way, spinning around. And then suddenly, like at week three, she woke up. And now she's going like crazy. I'm curious. So a Platinum Yeti side, was like that. Sorry? I said I had a Platinum Yeti like that. It was like a kind of runty, like kind of slow growing all through veg, even from a seedling. And then flower, it stretched and kind of grew crazy. The craziest thing about that was it was a super narcotic, like heavy indica high, like not at all what you would expect from like the leaf or the morphology. That definitely opened my eyes to the leaf shape and height does not correlate to the high. I have no idea what I could expect from her. So I have some clones and uh, if she's a keeper, she will be. If she's not, but she's a fighter, that's for sure. She, she's a fighter. So in here, it's a class, the classic one, the Amsterdam Amnesia, the ace from um, Dutch Passion. She's also day 13. This one is in uh, 25 liters, which I think it's a seven gallon. And uh, oh, she's doing great also, actually. In this one, I like everything. The color, the buds, the canopy. I'm pretty happy with this one. This, this, there's not much to say about it, apart from she's doing great. Even in flowers, she's throwing one, two, three, four, nine leaves after the foliation. The new leaves, she's doing nine leaves. So I think she's happy. Looks super happy. I think that seven gallon is uh, definitely a good fit for yeah. that setup. That plant looks super happy for sure. And How uh, long did you veg her for? How many days or weeks or months? Okay, so this I need to go here. It was two months, this one. Almost two months. Not, not close to two months. Like to, at day 28 on the second month, I flip her to flower. Okay. Uh, the only reason I ask is I, I think that potentially, and not like it matters too much because you have a big enough tent, but I think that you could probably veg for a slightly shorter time because like a lot of the bottom, it, although it makes for a really sh like sturdy structural plant. When I started vegging for just a slightly shorter time, like almost a hundred percent of the plant is flower. But at the same time, this looks beautiful. I wouldn't change very much to be honest. This is crushing. The only reason I use bigger pots, I, I, I have no hurry. I, I kind of go perpetual in between the, the setups. So bigger roots, better fruits in my mind, in my head. So if I if I've, I veg for longer, I will have bigger roots because I'm root stimulator with my root boosters and everything. So once in flower, I know all of this is gone. 
but all of that is there. So she's ready to deliver to imagine 900 points and suddenly she only has 10 tops or 20 tops and all that energy will be focused on, on those tops or on whatever canopy you decided instead of all the everything that her roots were ready for it. This, this is just in, my, in my, my mind. I'm not sure if this is true or not. I'm just saying I used to do it exactly how you do it right now. And I just started vegging a little bit shorter period of time. And I just don't have to pull a bunch of stuff off the bottom anymore, essentially. Okay, okay. Cool, cool. So like the roots, the roots can handle the load of the plant and you just veg for a short time, but you have a perpetual, so it doesn't really matter. I mean, I, I think this is probably a more consistent way of doing it because the longer you veg for, you get a little bit more of a resilient base. Like you're saying that root, root mass is strong and it gives you a better chance to have that bolt or stretch, whatever you want to call it when you flip the flower. Because uh, some people don't experience like tons and tons of stretch, but I think if you've got a healthy plant and you're doing things right, it should kind of take off once you go to flower. What are we looking at sure. here? So here it's my runs, and uh, I kind of left them to the side for two and a half months. And two days ago, or not even that, I cleaned all of everything from them. I put them in new pots and I kind of work it like as if it was a wine, <laughs> wine, like GML says, <laughs> it was funny. Uh, and now I'm, I'm waiting for her to recover and to see what I will do with her. Uh, I'm pretty sure she will be okay. I have no worries. I can dedicate love with her. And You're still her. in beds right now? Oh yeah. And yeah she will be in beds yeah. until... Uh, until I like what I see, which yeah. is not what I, what I like now, but it's not what I want. Until I see that, this is all the growth, like you said yesterday, Spartan. This is everything was, there was no light in here. So yeah. it's already looking just better from, just from yesterday. It, exactly. What I say from yesterday, you can already see that she's bouncing back. So yeah, I really like this new to spray, this NPK from Aptos that I spray on them. They bounce really fast for the for, for that stuff, and it's all organic and mineral or whatever, and they, cool. It works good. And now I was let's go to impressed by a heavy sixteen foliar. Similarly, like it, it could go from kind of lighter green, even yellow sometimes, to looking straight up, like full green and lush. Like I went on vacation one time, and my plant sitter um, only watered the plants, and they'd never added the nutrients that I like pre mixed and like uh, you know measured out for them, and so when I came back, they had watered the plant like two or three times and basically flushed it. This was when I was in cocoa. And so I got back and the plants were like Kelly green when I left and like pretty much pale yellow when I got home. And uh, when you get them back on the right track, it's amazing how quickly they can turn around. This, I'm happy to hear this is working well for you. It looks like it's got a pretty low amount, so you're not going to burn, no? No, and I'm using a one milliliter. I got two milliliters for a liter, so I'm just doing a small patch of a half a liter, so I'm using one, one ML. No burns so far in any plants from them, but I dim all my lights to minimum, and I, I, I let them dry, and then I, I bring the lights up again. This because I'm lazy to do it when they're sleeping. So, but so far, so good. No problems with it, and I've been using this for a year and a half, something like this now. Yeah, I remember so, you came on and uh, they initially sponsored you maybe about a year ago and uh, yes. hooked you guys up with some uh, dry nutrients over there. And it seems like you got the spray now and things going on. We got Oki Grower jumping in. We got somebody 
in the waiting room who's just called Zoom user. So uh, sorry, Zoom user, I messaged you and asked, what's your IG name or YouTube name? Because if I could recognize you, I'd be more than happy to uh, let you come on in. I'm going to spotlight Oki Grower now. We look like we got a big old main top chunk. Wait. Is this an untopped plant here? This thing looks beefy. See, oh, yeah. See, turn it inside. Yes. Did you see? Beautiful. Yeah. Look at dog doctors. That, that fucking elephant he's got over there. That's ridiculous, too. Dude, look at this. We're double that's spotlighting. Like, that's the dual. There you go. Look at that. <laughs> i like that that's sweet there we go. Yeah, donkeys yeah. just wow. donkeys across the screen this might get us kicked off youtube <laughs> <laughs> this thing is just retarded dudes <laughs> they're both so looking dang, chunky man yeah. oh wow this is this is what we came for this is just retarded i hope she's a good smoker <laughs> so <laughs> look at that this, it's like a this, fucking two liter for sure man it's the biggest biggest ever so uh okie what are we okay, saying bro, and then... what strain is that yeah yeah, yeah that yeah. looks that looks like his is dense like fuck i'm yeah, dead it's... Fucking... it's uh siberian uh land race it's from guardian lost Turks. it's a uh, siberian to gg4 then that was crossed to wilson and then crossed to mac sam this is like a capulator Mixed with Brandon Rust, mixed with yep. Siberian or Guardians of the Lost. God damn, what does it smell yeah. like, dude? What does that thing smell like? So I'm getting like Masonic a, in there. It's like a Salisbury steak to me. Oh man, that's hilarious. Headlights <laughs> smelled like headlights, that. Apparently. Yeah, it sounds like a headlights, man. I used to grow a strain called headlights that's like that. We call it we call it the meat turps. Yeah. Well, yeah, I got. Got two of them in the city or the patio picker here. Hell yeah, man. I love seeing cut, those. cut the bottoms off the pots. Yeah. Just jammed them in there. I like that. Yep, jammed them in there. That's kind of like how uh, that one garden house is showing from uh Green Life Productions in Vegas a couple weeks ago. That that's and basically how they run their commercial production with the like yeah, that's where I got cycle it from. no till. That's where I got the idea from. I mean it works. And then this one's they're all three from the same seed pack. But you can tell this one's quite a bit different. This one looks like it's got a little longer to go than Yeah, it, like, like, it kind of looks like one of those ones that never finishes. Like it always shows white hairs, but it does finish if you check the track. How hot is it in yeah, that's what's the temperature? Thinking. Um well all I've got one low down here, let's see, seventy six. So it's probably eighty up here. I just want to welcome in stairs at plants. We've got a little like automated watering system action going on. I see some of the uh, drippers and the caps. Looks like, uh, well, go ahead and introduce yourself, stairs at plants. This is your first time we've uh, had you on the show. Welcome. Yes, thanks, Jack. Um, I'm another Michigan grower who got into this in 2018 when Michigan legalized. So uh, this is my setup. And what I did is I don't have much of a, a spare time to be tending to these plants. So I went with an automated system that I run through my computer. And uh, that's just the home screen for it here, but I can dose everything and through Wi-Fi controllers, uh, turn my pumps on. And uh, this is how I take care of everything. Now granted, I, uh, I have to put my personal touches on it because as you all know that 
if you don't put your personal touches on your grow, you're not going to end up with anything good. But uh, the innovation has really let me continue my life while I still uh, continue my passion for this plant. Awesome stuff, man. I, I love to hear that. Automation is great. You're like a mix of automation is freedom. And uh, it almost sounds like you've got a little bit of a Canadian accent. Do you have some Canadian family or is just Michigan close enough? Uh, I'm so far north in Canada that when I jump online with people or in Michigan, I'm so close to Canada that people always ask if I'm Canadian. And I'm not. Uh, I'm just as far north in Michigan as you can get. If you threw a stone across Lake Superior, you'd hit Thunder Bay. Thunder Bay, there. man. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, what are the name of the little green uh, caps on top of there? This is all Floriflex here. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, Floriflex. I, I, for a long time, used to really, really want this whole setup, and I was thinking about it, and seen a lot of people have pretty good success with them, even in, like, relatively small root zones. You can see, like, yeah. that's a big-ass plant in a pretty – these are, like, the pot pros, I believe they're called. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, they do a good job. Yeah, and what I've learned is uh, once, you, like, what I'm doing here is I'm just stacking them. And for some odd reason, I've become accustomed to the clay pebbles. You can see the dust in the tray that they leave behind, but I don't get fungus gnats with them. I get uh, springtails seem to be my biggest thing. But the pest, keeping the pest control down, and then cleanup, like running automation, I'm using... <laughs> I'm using dripper lines and stuff. So when uh, keeping everything running smoothly and flowing good is number one. And I tried the, I tried the cocoa for cannabis thing. I jumped on when Kyle Breeder uh, first introduced his New England rock candy and he sent out his very first box as part of that uh, test or the, the grow on cocoa for cannabis with that. So I ran out the New England rock candy and another strain and I liked them all, but that was in cocoa, I believe at the time. And I was just chasing little itty bits of cocoa everywhere. Is in my pumps, is in my filters. Uh, it's stopped my emitters from dripping out. And uh, I've just gone to the clay pebbles since. And this has really been, it's hard because I don't find many people growing in the clay pebbles so i can't go out there and gain information but with this software that i'm running everything gets uh charted so that i'm able to go in and look at trends so my biggest thing i do is i pop open my ph uh charts and i can go for the last 24 hours or i can go back a month if I want, I can just change it. Can this. you turn your phone camera from up and down to side to side, maybe? And see if that, there we go. Boom. Now we're, we're able to see a lot more of it now. Okay. So this right here would be a month of pH that I've ran. So I can go up here and change this just to 24 hours of pH. And now you can see, um, sorry, it's not picking up the best, but. No, no, it's fine. Does it, does it read EC as well? Yep. So here's my EC and I'm playing with my EC currently. Um, as you guys know, every strain like stuff a little bit different. So what I like about this is when you line the graphs up like this, you can run your 24 hours. And then as a hydro grower, 
we're always looking for that positive pH climb. Um, at least I am personally. I'm always looking for this pH to stay neutral or slightly positive. And this lets me show when I change my trends what that's doing to my pH. And as you can see right here, now I'm starting to run this solid pH. But if you look at what I did in the last 24 hours, I jumped from a 1.64 EC up to a 2.13. And the reason I did that when I was running that low EC, you can see down here in my EC column, it's pretty stagnant. But then in my pH up higher, um, you can see where it's slightly dropping, slightly dropping. So to many people, they'd say, no, your EC is too high, your EC is too high. And what this has done to me is it's put me in a quite a conundrum because I come up against graphs that tell me to do one thing and then I'm fighting the bro science because I'm a new grower. So I don't have the practice. I don't have a green thumb. I, if I have anything, it's a black thumb. Usually when I got into this, I got into hydro because I can't water stuff. I drown stuff. So I figured if I can start with a system that I can constantly drown it and it can breathe, then that would be the best uh, avenue for success with me. But uh, yeah, this is my little baby. I love uh, crunching numbers. I love looking at stuff and then just playing and seeing what I can do. Uh, in a minute, I'll jump out of here and I'll go pop up in my water room. I can give you a tour down there of uh, what I need to do when you live in a swamp with terrible uh, well yeah. water what you need to do was, to grow something like this. I was going to say, have you ever tried DWC? But that might be part of the reason that you weren't inclined to because they really have to do a lot of uh, filtration to get their water at that kind of base point before they uh, get it all kind of uh, nutriented up and oxygenated to the levels they like. Yeah, I tried DWC in the beginning. When I first got into this, my very first system was a GH DWC with add like five different cells in it and then one big tank underneath and uh that's what i ran at first and then summer came and i started looking at coolers because as everyone dwc knows that once you hit that 72 degree water mark you start panicking yeah. and i couldn't find a cooler that justified 600 dollars for you know something that didn't seem to really work that well and there's a bunch of homemade versions, but nothing, you know, it's it, with DWC, even as far north as I live in Michigan, when you come to July, August, September, it's just, it's a nightmare. Um, so I want something I could run the rest of the year. And uh, as everyone else knows with DWC, you got to put, you know, big quantities of water and I don't have space for that. So I'm using the most out of the space I have. And when I tried auto pots once and my valves stuck open and I put oh. 20 gallons in the bottom of my tent. Yikes. Yeah. Thank gosh. I had that tent liner because uh, that's what saved everything from flooding. I caught it with a shop back in the morning. So. And one last question before uh, you head over to your watering area and I chat with the uh, Oki grower for a little bit. Cause he's, holding up his camera and showing off this dank all over the place. But uh, is this a software that you made or is this some sort of program that's accessible online somewhere? This software, uh, it's a software hardware company called GrowLab. And when I first got into all this, I, I started looking at automation right from the get-go. 
and I got into the Wi-Fi uh, switches real quick and realized how much that was a benefit. But um, this all comes out of Spain. It's all set up. It's a beautiful company to work for. When I call in with questions and comments, uh, like two or three weeks later, they say we fixed it and there's a patch coming. And I've helped this company just with a few minor things, but when I pick out something that doesn't make sense or it could be better, I just get a hold of them and lo and behold, they throw it out in the next patch. So I love it. It's, it's not a cheap software or hardware setup, but in this type of thing, it's both, you know, you go and buy a couple of 600 watt lights and you could throw this system, you know, part of this system and they have it for soil. They have it for water. They have, you know, they have a few different packages set up, but this is the hydro package. And when I go down in the water room, I'll show you the modules that uh, run this system. Cool stuff. Definitely uh, happy it's working well for you. Sometimes the automation uh, isn't quite what it's cracked up to be. So I'm happy you've got a system that's working for you at this point. Uh, Oki Grower, what else do you got going on over there? Is it all the same strain or do you got a few different ones? Uh, yeah, they're all the same from the same seed pack. Okay, so you got some different phenos of that same yeah, cross. Three different Are they all Salisbury Steaky? Yeah, they're all pretty similar. This one here's got a little more citrus to it. Way different structure. Oh. Yeah, way different. Like structure. the apical dominance on this one is a lot more clear. It's a little bit tighter yeah. buds. One thing I was going to say earlier when we were talking about the uh, – finishing like really late and i asked about the temperature of the room because if it gets hot sometimes i notice those white pistols will continue to pop but yeah. if you're running like exactly 12 12 and i know doc mentioned earlier that he doesn't suggest doing this but at the very end of flower if something's just really not getting any like uh, milky or amber trikes and you're seeing tons and tons of white hairs still pop out i would tend to drop it down to 11 13 i actually run 11 13 most of the time anyway but or even 10 on 14 off and you'll see those yeah. often start to go orange or red or amber or whatever and and to me, it looked like a more finished up bud, personally. How uh, yeah. how many days in flower is that? Oh, you had to ask. Um, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I'm horrible with taking notes and stuff. Right, right. We all got to be like dog doctor and get a freaking calendar going right next to our gross. Yeah. I dude, that helps about a lot. Nine weeks, probably eight, nine weeks. Probably that's the end of eight dude. weeks. Right, right. It is chunky. Man, you're going to have yeah, a lot of this stuff to smoke big, on. Yeah. I would That's wonder, I, honestly, one piece of advice I, I would say with this big-ass top down. cola, break that fucker <laughs> up as, as much as oh, it's going to yeah. hurt you to tear it apart. Otherwise, I, it's going to be a I've lot been, of mold. I've been doing this with it, like kind of spreading her open a little bit, make sure that get some airflow in there because I don't want it to, you know, get any botrytis. Yeah, that's yeah, the worst. Uh, one of your biggest. But bugs. when you harvest, break that down. When you yeah. harvest too, just give it every chance mm. to get it. Yeah, yeah. Like I would that cut it into beautiful. a bunch of tiny buds. Essentially. That's fucking beautiful, right there, man. That's, that's beautiful. Awesome, man. Yeah, this one, this plant here is the frostiest one. The, the one on the right, in the sip. Yeah. And the bigger one, that's the other one on the left. This one seems to be the most frostiest. It's looking. Really you just good. give them water. Or you feed them. Uh, water, then I gave them microbes, uh, recharge fish shit. Um, I'm using some of that, uh, the carbon-based fertilizer from Brandon. That's some good shit, man. I've gave, you know, I gave it 
you know, twice in veg, twice in transition, and twice in flower. I'll advocate two plants in an earth box or two plants in a city picker is doable for cannabis. Yep, more it, than that, it, it will work. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't do much more than two. Yeah, but two will do. Yeah, I, I tried. I tried to do this, three, but... and the, the middle plant gets shaded out and, and dominated depending on yeah. the strains that you try and do it with or how big you yeah. them. But yeah, two two can work really well if you're trying to get a little bit more variety out of the space. Yeah. But this one's just in a tingal. Still looks good, man. I mean, yeah. I actually like it when they're flopped over like that, and uh, you've got the trellis yeah. set up so they're at least a consistent distance from the light now. It's holding the weight. Mm. It's going to get consistent light, consistent airflow, and I bet you all those buds are going to be delicious. That those one ones that are hanging around. needs a lot more time. Yeah, this one. Yeah. 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 Well, the other ones look damn close, man. Yeah, that yeah. one looks like it's got some... Uh, well, it might be Finishing like one of those that never stop. Yeah. Look at that thing. Yeah. GMO does that sometimes. That's fucking beautiful. Well, and sometimes you chop those down and those white hairs turn orange in like the first couple days or during the dry. They don't have hardly any orange. Like, Some of them will go, go green though. Like if you chop it when it's that white, they don't ever like mature enough. It, you'll still see like yellow wispy hairs or like white greenish hair. Yeah. Do you cut the bottoms of the little pots? That's what you do? Yeah, I start them out in the little pots. And then when they get probably about a foot tall, foot and a half, I'll just cut the bottom off and just plug it right in. That's, uh, I think that's the fourth round on that pot. And this is the second round on the city picker. And why do you put plastic uh, around the fabric pots? Sorry, these questions. Oh, just to help with it, uh, the sides drying out. Keep some moisture in. You want to keep the soil biology alive. Yeah, same concept like the uh, grassroots, you know. Okay. Fair enough. Thank you. I re-added you uh, stairs at plants to the spotlight as well, and now we could uh, see your watering setup. Yeah, so this is my little dosing center. So I got uh, a half dozen... This looks salt. like a, a mini version of a pro grow, like a like a professional <laughs> grow. Yeah. I mean, shouldn't we all like? I love that. No, all I, our grows. Hats off, man. Grows. That's how it should be done. They they should aspire to be as good as we are, right? So it, it's just from a technical perspective, like all the plumbing and everything, and like how it's all really well lined up. You're an organized individual. I, I respect that. You're you better, that better one... than I am. It looks that like looks really like, good. Is that looks like a magnetic stir for your nutrients there. Is that what you got going on there? <laughs> yeah, this uh, they want this agitated up so you can nice. just run the Wi-Fi switch and I like it. Drying <laughs> That's <smart>. Using <laughs> technology to your benefit. This is what I, I really do love to see. This like it's nature mixed with te technology, like the crossover of biology and tech. This is fascinating shit, man. And it's keeping the plants you saw them, they're healthy and happy. It makes so. me curious, Stairset Plants. What uh are you a engineer of some kind? I'm the son of an engineer. There you go. Oh, it shows. <laughs> yeah, he's not too fond of my cannabis passion either. Ah, uh, that's very unfortunate. Yeah. Classic. But you know, 
we got to lead our own lives. So um, you, got, you should thank him as many times as possible for his engineering uh, skills. Yes. Tell you, it makes you grow great cannabis. That's just send him pictures with just this part and be like, see, look. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's been a journey. I mean, it looks nice and clean now, but um, to get to this point, this is rendition 101 probably. Uh, it's moved it's you know gotten bigger so i've had to just uh expand and adapt um the big thing i came across was the ec and ph probes uh when covid hit they sort of became unavailable and uh right here you can see i got two these this one's from atlas scientific and then this is milwaukee instruments but the ones that came with here's the modules for my system the ones that came with the system they have glass bottoms on them and um i have them dropped down into my tank here i got a little magnetic mount that holds it to the side of the tank this is my reservoir for my newts this is an ro reservoir so if i run my newts too thick i just turn on a pump and that will put the ro water in and dilute my solution out but what I did on accident is I dropped my probe down there and the glass smashed off the bottom and shattered. So then I was stuck with no probe during COVID and I went out looking for probes and, you know, a lot of this stuff, you start looking for it. They want $450 for a $50 probe. So, uh, you know, perseverance and just not giving up and searching. I finally came across Milwaukee instruments and they got solid probes for cheap prices, but no, it's been, it's, I'm a building contractor. So like all summer long, I have no time to do all this. And the first year I got into this, I was like, this is taking way too much of my time. I have to either uh, choose one, which would be work, or I got to figure out a different plan. So I'm real glad that I went through, I found this, uh, tank bot by uh, open grow is the company and the tank bots are for the hydro this grow node that's back here that's your main brain so it doesn't matter what system you get um, you get the main brain and then there's earth bots if you're doing soil uh, so you could use them for cocoa too because they have uh, moisture or you know if you want to read your dry back and all that stuff they're Honestly, before AgroTech, and um, I'm trying to think of who Miami Mango pushes, but uh, those companies are oh, out master. there too. There you go. Those companies are out there too, but those, like, to do the same functions that this company does, it was like six, seven grand through Trollmaster. And then you're talking huge, like, setups and this was just like everything slammed down for a tent and it's amazing because i don't see anyone with this and granted it's a product that comes out of spain but with today's i mean i found it they shipped it to me so um it's just amazing that i don't see more people utilizing this because so many people are in that predicament of hey i want to grow stuff hey I want solid numbers so I can dictate how to grow stuff better. And everyone keeps saying that, but no one does anything about it other than keep talking about it. So 
you know, I'm a person who does things. If I say something, it's because I'm doing it. And uh, I didn't say nothing. I just went and did it. And you're going to inspire it. people, man. This is showing off what you're capable of doing is there are engineering type minds out there who may not have gotten into it because it was too much time or they tried it and, you know, it was too much of their time and they want to spend time with their family or their loved ones or their friends, whatever it is. And they aren't going to dedicate the time it takes to grow cannabis. But if they can, in a couple weekends, you know, knock out a few projects, get a setup like this going where it minimizes the amount of hours that they have to expend doing the actual physical labor. And there's just a couple things they can, you know, uh, touch up here and there. Uh, to Zoom user out there who's trying to join, we don't know who you are. I tried to send a message to you in the Zoom to say, can you just let me know your IG name or your YouTube name? And then maybe we'd be apt to let you in. But if it just says Zoom user, uh, we don't just let strangers in just to, you know, keep the show uh, kosher and everything. We don't want to have any uh, incidents. I won't go too deep into detail there. Now, as a, as a building contractor, I'm just curious, how often do you um, change up your, how, how do you maintain your sensors and replace them and all that? Do you have a, an itinerary? Yeah, well, what I have is sort of like a double redundancy. I have EC and pH in this. That's part. the best way to do it. And then I have EC and pH here. But I think of you often with this, Matthew. And thanks for speaking up because I want to ask you about this product. Um, but you often, I've heard you say, a man with two watches doesn't know the time or something to that effect. And That's it correct. also. Correct. <laughs> It also goes to EC meters and pH pens, because when you have two of them, you don't know which one is right. But when you have two different brands and you start recalibrating them, you see which one holds calibration and then which one slips. And then when you go to recalibrate, see, when I get like a 0.2 difference in my EC meters, then I'll go to recalibrate. The ECs hardly ever need recalibrating. It's usually the pHs that really drift off far and this Milwaukee instruments has been a really solid uh, pH meter that doesn't drift, but um, yeah, it's, I, with two of them um, and that's, you have to do like, again, this is my 110th version of this. Like at first I had one, but then you're chasing like, what is going on? What's going on? And then you realize your piece pH is off a point and a half. Of course, your plants look like they're not getting fed enough or it looks like they're getting fed too much because you're running like a seven O pH in a hydro setup. So um, my thing now is I got to have at least two meters running. And when you do that, you just sort of take the average of the two and then just sort of use your experience to know which one you should be going off of. Um, and then this thing, this is known as, granted, it's just a label I put on a different bottle because the other bottle had uh, something is just real hard to take the lid off. But this has helped me with my uh, springtail infestation. And what it is, is an extract of a cedar tree or something. I was just curious, Matthew, if you've ever um, came across a product like this, but the other benefit of it is if you have a stinky grow room, it sort of makes it smell like a cedar closet. So uh, if you have the in-laws staying for a few nights, it's also a double for that. That's not bad. Um, I've come across some things that use like 
essential oils for some trees. I think we even talked a few times on the show. Um, but this is not that, right? This is not the same label, right? This is a different bottle. It's, no, he's saying he just it's the same label. He moved it to a different bottle just so it's easier to open. Correct. Yeah. So what the Oh, okay. I'm so sorry. I see now. <laughs> the so let me see the ingredients again. Yeah. Are 33% cedar oil, 1% sodium laurel sulfate, and then the inert is water, lectin, guar, gum, and glycerin. Yeah, so um, I'm, I would be surprised. I mean, I don't typically have people, um, people get very worried about springtails, but they're not really a problem usually, not always, but usually uh, with, with plants and things like that. I would not be surprised that a product like this would work against them, but also many other insects in the soil. I will point out, I like that it's 1% sodium laurel sulfate because there was a product called Green Cleaner for a while that was like 20%. And That's some uh, head and shoulders stuff, twenty <laughs> yeah. percent, dude. It's it's bad. Like, and it, that can lead to like phototoxicity, not only in like your skin, but also within your plants. So, um, something to look out for. They also claimed that you could spray it all the way up to har- harvest. I'm not a big fan of that product or that brand. I think that's a terrible recommendation, especially when you look up the half life of SLS and realize a lot of people will be smoking it because these people are recommending spraying it even on harvested product. Like, ugh. anyway. That said, uh, I do like that this, even if it's the 110th rendition, I was thinking every time you said that, I think Edison, it was like the 53rd time or something when he in- successfully invented the light bulb or something like that, if I'm remembering correctly. So sometimes it takes a lot of iterations to finally get to the actual success, but that should be in- encouragement for people out there. Don't give up on try one or try two, whether that's your first grow try, or that's your first time setting up, like, you know, whether it's DWC or cocoa or something else. Uh, just because you tried it once and it didn't work, maybe, you know, try it again, try and get some advice from somebody who's having success with it and uh, try and dial it in. There's probably more factors that you didn't consider the first time. So it's always worth giving something a second, third, fourth try if you really care enough about it. Like clearly stairs at plants does. So uh, do you have any, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll ask this and maybe add it as a suggestion for you. Do you have any like um, cameras that you can watch for like time lapses or anything like that? Because I know uh, one of our other buddies, we nerdy WCUs in the chat, they use like their old cell phones and they just set up the uh, cameras to be like a Wi-Fi uh, camera, essentially. And they have a bunch of essentially time-lapse grows whenever you watch uh, like Sundays and Confused, you can see their plants like growing live in there. So I'm curious, stairs at plants, do you have any uh, plant feeds or like uh, videos in your grow room or grow setup? Before you, no, get into, before you get into that, let me just bow out real quick, guys. I got to jump out of here. Oh, and I lost track of time. Wow. Yeah, me too. And so I looked down, I was like, oh, damn. But thanks especially to these last couple guys got on, Oki Grower, Dog Doctor, Stairs at Plants. Did I miss anybody? I think you got everybody. I super but, love when the, when uh, when people come on and show off their grows. That's probably one of my favorite things. So uh, to have three in, in one show, and they were all very impressive. Um, thank you, guys. Thank you for doing that. I know it's a thank big you. step for a lot of people, especially if it's their first time. It's kind of rough, I know. But uh, it'll be okay, and everybody's impressed. Chat's been loving it. Everybody's have been positive. Thank you, chat, for being positive. And um, thanks, everybody, on the panel, man. It's awesome hanging with you guys. And I'm running over to hopefully not pee my pants, get in the bathroom, and then, and then get, the <laughs> and get to the bro show here in about 10 minutes. So I'll see you guys over there, Mr. Bros. Grow Show. Uh, love, Peace out, Spartans. Thank guys. you for coming, Spartan Bros. Sorry I kept you long. Have a great night over there with the Michigan Bros. Grow Show. Always a great dude. And I have to second what he said. 
it is awesome to have not just one, but several guests come on, show off their gardens and have good looking gardens. It's a testament to uh, some of what we're doing here. Try, hopefully, you know, putting out good advice and having an audience who listens and puts it into practice and you guys are doing the work. So it's cool to see the work that you have done and, and showed off. And, you know, sometimes people are nervous when they come on dog doctor. The first time he came on was uh, probably more nervous than he is now after coming on several times, but we yeah. really do welcome the community to come on and show off their gardens. Uh, ask questions or just you know show what they're doing what kind of gear they're growing genetics and things like that so i had a really great time tonight i couldn't even believe how quickly this uh, second hour flew by with all the uh, great guests that we've had so yeah just sincere heartfelt thank you to all three of you guys for coming and uh i'm curious if any of you has any final thoughts before we get into the uh final shout outs i'd just like to thank you for giving me an opportunity to show what i've been able to do um i've been listening to you guys ever since the beginning of uh this podcast and if you i don't to answer your question from earlier i don't have any live plant feeds once i step up my game enough and uh, i can make them so that they're of entertainment value and not humiliation value then i'll put it that way but in the meantime you can look at my grows on uh, growdiaries.com that's both the mm. best place I've been pulling off IG because of oh, nice. all that everyone's been getting there. I'm not going to put the effort into it and then have to try to beg for it. So I'm going to support the platforms that support the whole ideals. So thanks, Jack. Thank you, crew. Love you all. Keep plugging away. Hey, man, it was great to have you. And also shout out to Grow Diaries. I know Dog Doctor is also over there on Grow Diaries. Yeah, I was and- going to say, hit me there. Nice. Yeah, you guys should definitely link up. I, I My first couple of grows in my new spot, they're not very impressive, but I threw them up on Grow Diaries. So anybody who wants to go and uh, maybe laugh at some of uh, the early green stock grows, they could check out some of those. And uh, my my first attempts at cocoa and uh, see that we've all kind of uh, grown and you know changed and maybe gotten better, hopefully gotten better over time. <laughs> some people, I think, stick to their ways and maybe uh, sometimes might get better, might get worse. But it, it's always great to be open-minded and, and talk with a whole bunch of different growers doing it a whole bunch of different ways. I love seeing all the different, you know, options from we've got somebody who's over here and like Spartan Grown often suggests in the city picker. And then I'd say stairs at plants. It's not exactly like a Dr. Coco system. He's made it completely his own, but is uh, on the more hydro end of things and automated watering. And I think that there's beauty in all sides of it, indoor, outdoor, greenhouse. I'm just uh, very thankful to have people that are willing and able to come on and show off their gardens because for a long time we were all hiding. No one was on the internet showing this stuff off or talking about it. And it's just uh, really amazing that we can even have international people come on. And even if their country is not quite the uh, most open-minded about it, they're able to, uh, you know, be a part of this amazing community. So with that said, uh, dog doctor, any final thoughts before we do our shout outs? Uh, thank you guys for having me. It's always a pleasure. And yes, I'm less nervous than I was the first time I, I pop up. <laughs> It gets, uh, one gets more comfortable and starts knowing and knows how people reacting and everything. And it's cool. It's really cool that you guys do this and give opportunity to people like me, just humble growers and everybody to jump in, ask questions, show the growth, get opinions and everything. Some people like me don't have many to talk about it because where we are, we cannot talk with just about anybody. So it's a, a hand like full of people that actually knows about whatever you're doing for yourself. So really appreciate this, uh, this times and uh, whatever it came to pop up. I would like to thank you all of you, Jack and all the panel, all the chats and, and everybody, you guys are great. And my sponsors, uh, Aptos, 
and um, everything you can find me on Instagram. You can hit me with any question there about Aptos products or about anything. Or you can find me also on GD on Go Diaries as Dog Doctor and Dog Doctor Official. Go for it. Scrolls love for everybody. Thank you. Thank you, Dog Doctor. I always look forward to uh, seeing you when your name pops up either in my DMs or in the uh, Zoom chats here. It's always a pleasure to have you. And Oki Grower, uh, another returning guest. It was great to have you. Great to see your garden again. It's cool to see that you're growing genetics of people that are on this panel and in the community. So thank you again for uh, coming in and saying hello and showing off the garden. Any uh, final thoughts and shout outs? Yeah, thanks for having me. And just want to say it learned everything i know from podcasts like this one and grow cat you know, jordan rivers was on earlier with uh dr coco that was the first podcast I ever found was Growcast, and found you guys after that and couldn't have done this without y'all's good information you put out all the time and yeah keep it simple is all i try to do I love to hear that, man. And this is what it's all about. We're overgrowing the world. Like, rest in peace, Subcool. That was part of his mission. Overgrow the website. Yeah. Uh, all the people in the past, breeders, growers, all the people, the shoulders of the giants that we're standing on. I'm just so thankful to be a small part of this community and to have awesome people like yourselves come on and uh, show off the gardens. Getting to see it, man. It's just like, I can't help but smile. It, it makes me so happy to see the plants. Like, to know it's like, this is very real. Like, so many people. There's hundreds, thousands now out there that are growing, taking in this education uh, weekly from us and others. And they're all just trying to get better. All just super friendly and humble. Like everybody, the dog doctors come on several times, hasn't had probably any negative feedback. Everybody in the community is super positive, super cool. Like, you know, everybody's super yeah. friendly. I, I, when I first started coming on, I was worried maybe people are going to talk smack, this or that, whatever. And ultimately it's a bunch of people like, mostly like-minded individuals who are all here for the same kind of thing. So I'm uh, thankful for not just the people here on the panel, but the listeners as well, both here live on YouTube and all the podcast listeners after. But with that said, I want to kick it over to Matthew Gates for his final thoughts and shout outs. Yeah, I also really enjoy seeing everyone's different setups and getting people's personalized questions and experiences it inspires more people to grow, especially on the home level, which I'm a firm supporter of. And it also just kind of it just shows that it's happening, you know, regardless of some people's uh, predilections and desires. So I'm very happy to uh, be a supporting influence. I really I appreciate the compliment um, stares at plants. And I like your setup quite a bit. And I like how uh, you've been able to use your skills and talents to uh, achieve those objectives. Because I get it. I think people demonize automation because, you know, they have sort of a uh, naturalistic you know, uh, desire or something or, um, but it's, it's true. Some people just don't have the time or a lot of people are just old or they have something going on, a handicap perhaps, or some sort of, um, a, a, a disability that allows them to do things that somebody else might, uh, you know, so I can totally empathize with that. So thanks again for showing that side of things. Um, for those who are interested, um, I'm a professional consultant and the cannabis and also the general agricultural space. If you're interested, I help people at home grow level, also at commercial levels with pest mitigation, prevention, treatment, and you can find a ton of research and also just free information on my YouTube channel, Zenthanol. And for professional inquiries, check me out at zenthanol.com. Also, I have a Patreon that you can check out as well. Pleasure having you as always. This was a fantastic conversation. It just flew right by. And last and certainly not least, the American one.
Exactly. And everyone who showed up tonight, I got to say, uh, Stairs at Plants is an example of uh, perseverance and uh, tweaking and getting it perfect. And Dog Doctor, always, always plants look always happy. And Okie Grower with the chunks. I hope there's people out there like, if we could do it, I could do it. You know, that's the way they should be. And like they say, whether you think you could do it or you think you can, you are correct. So, yeah. And uh, yeah, shout out to everyone. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. What are you going to say, Oki? I was saying just a couple of cheap $100 LEDs and a spot in your closet, sip container, you can grow your own dang. There you go. And you can see the chunks he's got right there. So that could be right in your closet. Yeah. So, yeah. Cheap home growing. Shout out to everyone in chat. It's always good to see everybody. I'm the American one and uh, the American one underscore with a Keens. Yeah, with underscore Keens on the IG. You can hunt me down. And uh, yeah, I'm always happy to take DMs or uh, whatever. Peace. Thank you so much for joining. Tao, always great to have you. And uh, don't forget to check out amyaces.com. Get some of those seeds. They're fire. But uh, myself, Lassen, uh, you can find me here on Cannabis. I'll shout out the one who also supports the Cannabis people, Cannabis-friendly social media website or app. Um, I'm also on Instagram, Jack Greenstock. Like you saw right there, I covered up my logo so that people can see it, but the podcast listeners can't hear that. So I'm also Jack underscore Greenstock on Twitter. That's my backup account on Instagram as well. If you want to email me, if you're not on any social media, jackgreenstock47 at gmail.com. And if you'd like a copy of my book, 50 Strains of Green, if you haven't already gotten one, uh, so many of you have supported it. So thank you to all of those out there who already have. Uh, 50strains.com, 50 Strains of Purple is coming relatively soon, as soon as I can get it done and uh, done properly. So with that said, for Dr. MJ, I'll say growers love. And thank you again to Jordan River and all the panelists who showed up tonight. Pleasure to have you. And uh, much love to Noah the Grower who couldn't make it, as well as uh, uh, HTG Acres and Brandon Russ. So much love, everybody. Hope to see you all next week. This was a great one. Felt like I recharged my batteries a lot. I was smiling a lot. I felt like I had a great time. So uh, peace and love. Thank you all so much. Have a great night. Peace. Love, everybody.